Did anyone else do the Coinbase thing or know what I'm talking when about? When you say thing, you mean there, scan the QR code? There was a Coinbase commercial. It was the best commercial last night. The rest of the commercials kind of all blend together for me, but the Coinbase commercial was a, Q, a floating QR code reminiscent of the DVD. Remember the DVD logo? Yep. Yeah, for, for the, the home. Yep. It's just like that. And it took me, I saw a QR code, you know, and, I, and like the sheep that I am, I was like, oh, oh, I got to scan it. I got to scan it. And I scanned it, and I saw, oh, it's a Coinbase contest. Yeah, I'll sign up. Why? Yep. Yeah, why the hell? You did not do it. I didn't. Now that I think, I'm thinking about it, I was sitting on the couch. My phone was charging on the yeah. kitchen counter, so I was yeah. about like five feet away from my phone. I was too far away. That was the... <laughs> That was what was needed to the, my barrier yeah. for doing the QR code okay. was, was the fact that my phone wasn't in my hand at that time. Yeah, so they, they were gambling that your phone was going. Everyone was going to have their phone, which is a safe gamble that you're going to have your phone near you. Right. Um, but uh, no, it's funny because like it was up there for oh a solid twenty seconds because it, it it took me like a minute. My phone wasn't reading the code. I had to like zoom way in and zoom way out. Oh, so it was like a game. I thought I thought I was gonna miss it, and then I so it you know you scan the code, you bring up a page, and and says, hey, do you want to join this Coinbase contest? And I'm like, sure, I'll join the contest. So you you know if you don't have an account, make an account. If you already have an account, click here. So I was like, click here because I already have an account. And oh, no dice, nothing. The app crashed. Oh my Atlanta for like 20 minutes. Well, apparently, I tried like five times. Apparently, there's you know some people kind of upset that the deal was I, I guess either only offered to new customers or was better. You could still enter a giveaway if you were an existing customer. Yeah, yeah, but, I'm, I'm an existing customer and I, I I entered. But I think there was so. something else for new customers too, and it was this whole thing of like ah. people were mad, like oh, what do I get for having an account here for five years? Well, that's the same thing that the sports betters have, right? The same same problem. They're all they're always giving promos for new new customers or new. New users, but what about me? Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think the contest is like a million dollars. They're gonna drop a million dollars worth of Bitcoin in like March. Uh so I don't know. I did that. I, I I'm a sheep, apparently, but whatever. Um, any other commercial that's jumped out to you last night? Um, I like the Larry David one. Yeah, Zen Bullish in the chat saying that too. Is that true that that was his first ever commercial? That's what people were saying on Twitter. I don't, he's got so much money. That's what's so funny to me is you know FTX had to pay him like millions of dollars to do that. Yeah. And for Larry David, I mean, it, it probably took, I don't know, a day, maybe two of shooting for that commercial, and he gets probably a, a couple million dollars. Like, I mean, he's got so much money, he doesn't need to do it, but it still shows right. you that it's like at some point it's worth it to do something that's going to take you 48 hours for that much money. Yeah, max, what, it took him like a day, right? Like yeah, a, a, a day of his life? Yeah. Two max. Um, Two days of shooting max. I, our friend, friend of the show, Chris Couch, he was kind enough to uh, do a Twitter thread last night of all of the public companies that had commercials with their tickers. I'm going to drop this link in the chat if you are interested. Um, you know, the usual suspects, Budweiser, you know, Toyota, Disney, uh, T-Mobile. Oh, E-Trade. You saw the E-Trade baby? Do you remember the E-Trade Baby? Yeah. Yeah? E-Trade Baby's back. I did not see it last night. Oh, Baby's back. They, they, they had this funny commercial where they, were, they they went and found the E-Trade Baby, and they were like, um, the people need you. They're taking advice from memes. <laughs> and he's, he's like, all right, I'm coming back. Um, Carvana. 
uh, Orvana, however you say that, Carvana had had a commercial. I saw that. That was interesting too. The other thing I liked about the Larry David one is he was he was just playing himself. Yeah, well, that's all he ever does. That's true. Play himself. Um, what else jumped out to me? Uh, we talked about uh, Coinbase. Oh, yeah, Meta. Meta had their Oculus commercial. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I booed it out loud. My fiance was like, what, "Why are you booing?" I was like, "Cause it's Meta." Boo. The only time I was booing last night was Meta. after the game when they brought Stan Kroenke out there. Oh, uh, we can talk about that uh, in a second. Uh, T-Mobile had um, uh, Dolly Parton and uh, Miley Cyrus in their ad. Uber Eats had a, had a lot of celebrities. Let me see. See, it's just, it's just so funny. Like the like Dolly, you know how much you have to pay Dolly Parton? Like she has so much money too. So think about this: you have to pay this thing was seven million dollars just 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 for the spot, just right. for thirty seconds. That is in addition to whatever fee you have to pay for the celebrities and then the general production of that. So we're talking a $10 million investment here for 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot. Wait, wait. My I think my favorite of the night, aside from Coinbase, was Planet Fitness because they got Lindsay Lohan and, uh, uh, oh gosh, um, William Shatner. Uh, okay. And I, I I saw that and I was like, wait. Oh, they also brought back the whole like Austin Powers crew. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. But have Lindsay Lohan or William Shatner ever stepped foot in a Planet Fitness? You think? No, no, of course chance. not. Of course not. No. I, it was like the least believable commercial of all time. Anyway. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Zen Bullish. A lot of these companies like. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to do it, but like you have this huge marketing budget if you're State Farm or, yeah, or sure. GM. And they're like, why might as well do something fun Dude, with it? Let's go get You might as well go ham. Yeah, let's just, let's yeah. go get the whole uh Austin Myers cast. Or let's go yeah, get Larry yeah. David. Yeah, you might as well. Do you know which what one ad meters uh top commercial? No, I, I how do they measure a top commercial? In terms of, I, like, think social, voting, I, I think oh, they were voting I think they were let's check. What was the top uh, my vote goes for the Coinbase one because that was the most original. Is literally a QR code. Who does that? Uh, ad meter. Yeah, it gives a, a rating among voters. All right, I, I'd be curious to see what, what the what the voters said. Um, the cable guy was interesting. Yeah, Jim Carrey. That was funny to see him back there. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought by and large the commercials were underwhelming this year, with the exception being the the, the Coinbase one. I thought that was uh, that was cool, but nowadays everyone is everyone expects a good commercial, so I don't know. I'll just expect to see the funny people. Um, okay, we can move on from the commercial conversation, but I, I thought that would be um, uh, a fun thing to talk about, and I want to highlight Chris Catchy's thread. If you want to see every public company that had a commercial last night, check it out. Uh, second thing I wanted to talk about today, and we should also mention that we're going to have a number of guests on the show. Our first guest is going to be coming on in 15 minutes. And um, who is he, Aaron? He's an economist? George Gammon, yeah. George Gammon? He's an, all right, yeah, so. he's, got, he's got more than 300,000 subscribers on YouTube, uh, more than 100,000 wow. followers on Twitter. He, he's a macro addict, according to his tw- Twitter bio. That's good, because we don't know Jack about macro. So no, so I want to talk to him about macro. Uh, we can talk some real estate. And, and, and yeah, excited for that. Should be 15 minutes or so. And then after George at 1230, we have options. Mike coming on 1 p.m. Jake Wojastic from Trendspider. Uh, and then Chris Capri from yep. Options. No Matt Hammond today. Uh, he is um, 
Somewhere in transit in, in Ukraine. So we we hope he's safe. There was wait one last thing I want to add on the Super Bowl thing, and then we can move on. Did you see the rocking mortgage ad? I was gonna say that's what won the ad meter, but I, you got me sidetracked trying to figure out exactly how it's calculated. Oh, did you see the, the Anna Kendrick? Did you see the StockX thing in the ad? No. There is someone within the rocking. So we talked about this last week, but uh, Benzinga is in the rocket uh, mortgage family of companies, right? Where Dan Gilbert was an investor in Benzinga. He's not anymore because we we have new owners now. But um, we our office is in their building, and the the idea is like all these companies could theoretically like share resources from time to time, uh, and they all kind of work together in some way. Uh, so so um, StockX, which is the the platform that you can buy and sell, um, you know, sneakers and collectibles and things of that nature. They're also in the family companies. Their office is, is right above ours, and uh, they were in the commercial as well. It was a commercial for Rocket Mortgage, but StockX was in the commercial. Yeah. I saw that. I, I actually, I think this is, so someone did it earlier in the year that I saw. It was like a, a hybrid commercial between um, the, the Adams Family with a new Adams Family movie coming out or something and okay. um, an insurance company. And the commercial was like a combo promotion for both. And they were able to work in this like insurance ad into the Adams Family commercial. And I thought it was really clever. And then I was thinking about it more. That's something more companies should do. Because, you should just team up. Yeah, because you split the ad time. Yeah. So instead of paying a million dollars for an ad spot, you pay 500000 Yeah. Then you then you can split the production cost too, yeah. make it an even better production. They should. And it's interesting seeing like a, a, a collaboration between two companies on a commercial. So we should, we, you know what we should do? We should have one long commercial. All the companies can just divide up that one commercial. And it can all it can be one continuous thing. So like a whole plot, a three minute, uh, like a min, yeah, like a, yeah. a short film. Yeah, that would be fun. We um, should tr- uh, start a production company that specializes. One in that. long Super Bowl commercial. One it, long. it goes the duration of the game. Um, and then uh, last thing before we move on from that, but do you have any takeaways from the game or the halftime show or anything like that? Stan Cranky, he was not enthused last night when they brought him on the stage. Oh really? He, he, I like couldn't watch. I turned it off at that point. He seemed uh, bored, or or I don't know. Wait here, just for anyone who uh, who hasn't seen it, I just found this. Are we? I don't even. Oh, know. Adam says Target does it all the time. I don't know if we're. Al- are we allowed to do this? Uh, sure. They're nice but irritating. They're exciting. Let's hear it. I assume they can. I mean, we're giving credit to uh, whatever. Just play it. Just play it. Who cares? Oh, okay. Okay, so it, it was a. When do you all go home? Never. We're here for you 24 7. How terrifying. Protection so Got good, it. it's scary. Oh. The Adams Family too, playing October first. Um, not again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so good game, good, good, good halftime show, all that. Let's move on to the market here, right? Um, how are we doing out there? Last I checked, things were broadly speaking red for the day. Um, well, I don't know. Oh wait, I do know. The Fed meeting. Is that eleven thirty? It's going on right now, right? Is that? Yeah, that's correct. It's it's so the Fed, FOMC is meeting right now. Um, 
are they going to do anything today? Are they going to raise rates? Well, looking at the, I mean, the queues right now are up 0.8%. Having a good kind of reversal. But the question is, um, is this a reversal from what we saw on Friday? Or is this just like a smaller bounce in what could be a bigger downtrend considering all this political turmoil going on over in Europe? Yeah, there's the Russia thing too. I mean, let me just show you the Russia thing for ex- So this is a chart of the queues. Um you can actually see that big green candle this morning. That big green candle that at 7 whatever, 7:30, that was uh whatever his name is, the the Bullard. Russian no, uh, no, uh, the Russian uh, some I don't forget. So some guy Alexei something from Russia. Um, and he said that the, um, that there was a, a, a viable path forward for peace in, in Ukraine. And when, as soon as that statement, you know, leaked the market back completely, cause we were down all morning and the market just completely turned on a dime. So we've, we, yeah. Someone in the chat says we're grinding that, that that's, I, I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cho Chaji, I don't know. We're grinding. We're just kind of grinding higher here, right? There's, there's, there's no real. Um, I haven't seen any, any new developments in the last couple hours. So, without anything new, without any new headlines from the Fed or from Russia, market is content to just kind of stay where it, stay where it is, stay where it is, which is what it's done, you know, for the day. And that's the cues. The spy chart looks looks pretty similar. Um, I mean, I guess no, it doesn't. I should take that back. Oh, that's an interesting. Wait, what the heck was that? At eleven fifteen. Um, I wonder if we got an early headline out of there. I know. Uh, the, mm, the, the, there might be. I'll have to check the check the let's check the news feed here because there's a big old volume spike. Oh, uh, okay. So so let's go back to that chart. There's a one minute chart. Huge volume spike at eleven thirty three. Um, kind of ironic. This guy's name is Bullard. Yeah, but he, he, he well, he's a bully. No, uh, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I don't know. No. Uh, New York Fed survey. Uh, no, that's inflation. I don't care about inflation estimates because. So the meeting has begun. I don't know. Do do anyone know why we had that huge volume spike at, at eleven right when we were starting here? We're on with you, so we we're obviously not watching. That's interesting. Could just be when the meeting started. I don't know. Anyway, um, broadly speaking, market's mixed, right? Here's my uh, here's my watchlist on the market, right? You've got more red than green. Obviously, you've got you know some tech trading higher. Amazon, Arc, trading higher. Amazon's having a really good day. Wow, look at Amazon up almost three percent. Yep, company's a monster. Uh, again, I, I was checking in on all these companies that gave uh, gave great earnings reports. So ah. Microsoft hasn't really done anything since that day, like uh, uh, the day of their earnings. Yeah, you see the spike in the chart there, and since then it, it's just been down and sideways. I mean, it's going to move with the rest of, with the rest of the market. Oops, where's my chart? Yeah, I think there's some value in Microsoft right now. Apple as well. Uh, Wait, what day? Their earnings was uh, was that the twenty fourth, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
they're going to go with the market. You, 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 earnings are, are just a, a near-term catalyst. Once you get that out of the way, then then it'll move with with the direction of the overall market. So, um, well, that's that's important. It goes ex-div in two days. So, uh, speaking of earnings, uh, I did want to remind everyone that we are still in the earnings season. We have a number of big reports this week. We've got Nvidia. We've got Walmart. I don't have my calendar up in front of me, but Nvidia, Walmart. Um, it's we're still going to be doing earnings season. We're still going to be streaming earnings calls after the close. Not today, but uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, we'll be doing the earnings streams on our YouTube channel for the biggest reports of that day. Um, yeah, so we're gonna have a couple. Uh, we're gonna have our guests on in a couple minutes here, but before we do that, I wanted to real quickly. Uh, throw up this uh, this 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 job ad that I saw on I think Thursday, Aaron. I uh, I forgot to bring it up with you. I keep forgetting to bring it up, even though it's in our doc right here. But I saw an ad for a job listing on LinkedIn, and I thought it was funny. Check out this job listing: strategic response writer for Meta. For Meta. Yeah, that can't be fun. This would probably be a very interesting, like a very challenging job. Very challenging. In, in, I don't want to say in a fun way, but it would be an interesting challenge, right? Like, okay, you you have a crazy PR shitstorm. Now you have a half hour. Craft a statement to defend our company. Yeah, you're a response writer. So your job is, is literally writing when it, it, like retroactively after things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean – not, you're not even part of like, like constructing the message or the mission of the company or how it's marketed. It's really yeah. just in crises after yeah. things happen. You have to respond. Oh, just to be clear, I've, I'm not looking at new. I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> like I, I didn't go to look for this. Um, I just think this is like this is like not this is not a fun job. Very challenging job if you like challenges. But I just thought it was I thought it was amusing considering that there's probably no company out there that is more hated right now. Then Meta slash Facebook. I just saw this job posting. And I thought, look, it was posted five days ago. And they had, uh, does it say how many people? Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> Be among the first 25 applicants. So, like, almost no one has applied for this. It's Facebook. It's Meta. It's a huge company. <laughs> no one has applied for this job. I wonder why. Full time. I wonder how much. I mean, you'd have to imagine they're paying at least six figures for that role. Uh, I have no idea. I, I want no part of that. I want no part of that company at all, though. I just like, <laughs> I, I, I just thought it was, um, oh I, I thought God. it was a funny job posing. So I, I wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. Okay. Th- there's a few more things I want to get to, but I don't want to start them before, before our guest joins. So let's just do a list. Let's just do, uh, our crypto update of the day. We'll do that right now. And then uh, hopefully when, when that is done, our guest, our first guest will be here. So without further ado, let's go to some crypto. All right. Let's get the heat map on the screen. Come on, heat map. There we go. Looks so mixed. Looks like a Christmas tree today. Very mixed. It's been a while since it's looked like this. Yeah, you look. You got Ethereum inching back up towards that three thousand level, which we've seen be a very uh, important level for Ethereum. 
Um, so I'm excited about that because if we do cross 3,000, stay above there for a little bit, I'm going to see that as bullish and get back into my Ethereum position. Um, Bitcoin, of course, green with Ethereum. You see Dogecoin, Shiba, and our friend Near Spencer not doing so well. I, I was wondering if there was going to be any post-Super Bowl crypto trade. Um, Solana. It doesn't, doesn't look like it. Also, is it me or... Were there not a lot of NF? Was there not a lot of NFT presence last night? No, I thought maybe there might be. No. Unless I just missed it. I saw a, a bunch of crypto commercials, some gambling app commercials, uh, a lot of car commercials. I feel like car commercials yeah. kind of dominated the night. Yeah, they always do. And then, uh, but I didn't see. I didn't like. Obviously, we saw a lot of crypto, but you're not seeing a lot of follow through this morning. I, 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 I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure whether there would be, like. Just as we've seen after other big events, holidays, gatherings in, in the past where crypto can can moon afterwards. It's not I wouldn't call it mooning today. Solano's having a good day. Um up almost four percent. And um Terra's having a good day, up four percent, uh Luna. But outside of that, I mean I'm not gonna scoff at Bitcoin being up over forty two and ETH being, you know, back near three thousand. Better up than down. But um, I don't know. This is I, I wouldn't have expected this. I don't know what, what I was expecting, but it wasn't it wasn't this. It wasn't a mixed heat map like this. Um, anyway, as a reminder, if you want free Bitcoin, it's very easy to get. All you have to do is download the Voyager app. When you sign up, you use the sign up code is Zing Z I N G. You fund your account with a hundred dollars. You make a trade, any trade will do, and they will send you 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin for free. Check it out. Voyager, do it and get a free Bitcoin. All right. It is noon, Aaron, and our first guest has joined us backstage. Are we ready to bring him on, you think? Let's do it. Let's give George the special intro. Oh, special intro. Is that my job? Sure. Wow. George, how's Very it going? Cool. Man, I need an intro like that for my channel. Got to get my editors up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got this special intro, George. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that was cool. How's your Monday so far? Great, great. I just had a couple minutes here. Glad you guys text me. Uh, usually I don't have time to do a lot of this stuff, but I had uh, 15 minutes or a half hour prior to lunch. So I said, yeah, let's hop on there and make it happen. Cool. Yeah. 15 minutes. Glad to have you. Um, Spencer here, Aaron. Uh, what, so, so what's on the top of your mind, like right now with all this inflation talk, uh, you know, you know, bond markets. I mean, I mean, what, what, what is on top for you right now? Yield curve. Easy. Yield Twos, curve? And tens. Twos and tens. Okay. Okay. Yep. I, I would love for you, George, to explain that. Like I understand it, but even so explain that to me like I'm five. So there's a, a yield for uh, several treasuries. You know, you got treasury bills, which we call the short end of the yield curve. So let's say a three-month treasury. Mm -hmm. And then you've got uh, a one-year treasury, a two-year treasury. And then you go far out to the long end of the yield curve, is what they call it. And that's like a 10-year treasury or a 30-year treasury. So it's just, you know, what's the, the, the cost of money? basically. So if I'm lending you guys 
thousand dollars, I'm probably going to charge you a higher interest rate if I lend that thousand dollars to you for 30 years than if I just lend it to you for three months. Why? Right. Uh, because I have more risk. So usually what you would see in that in that curve, if you kind of mapped out all of the maturities there, is you would see the yield curve gradually slope up because as the money is lent for a longer period of time, there's more risk, therefore the interest rate increases. But what happens every once in a while is you start to see this curve flatten. So if you go like two years out, let's say the yield is 1.6%. But then even if you go out like 10 years, the yield could still be 1.6%. So that doesn't make any sense. That, that's not what yield should do. So then you kind of have to scratch your head and say, well, why? Why is it doing that? And usually it's because the two ends of the curve move for different reasons, right? So the short end of the curve is really responding to what they think the Fed is going to do with short-term interest rates. Fed funds that we always talk about. You know, when you hear CNBC say the Fed is raising rates, that's just the overnight rate called Fed funds. So the three month and the one year, it's going to respond to usually what the Fed is doing. It's more Fed sensitive, if you will. Where the long end of the curve is far more sensitive around things like inflation expectations and growth, economic growth. And since the United States dollar is the world reserve currency, our bond market to a certain degree is kind of the bond market for the world. So if it's saying, if the, the long end right now, the 10 year is saying 2%, then that's saying, okay, uh, we believe that we're going to have slower or lower economic growth globally and therefore lower rates of inflation. And I, I hate to use the word inflation because when economists use it when it's pertaining to the yield curve. It's not really about prices of groceries uh, that people are paying right. at the store or used cars. It, it's more about global economic growth uh, or activity. That might even be a better word, global economic activity. So right now what you're seeing is the yield curve is they're predicting that the Fed is going to raise interest rates, but the long end is saying that global economic activity is flatlining if not uh, contracting. So then if you get that inversion where the two-year yield actually goes above the 10-year yield, uh, 100% of the time, going back to 1950, when we get an inversion of the yield curve, we also have a recession. And what I think is even more interesting is we have never had a recession without an inversion in the yield curve. How close are we right now to that inversion? We're very flat. So right now, uh, let's see. I can pull it right up on my thing here. Yeah, you can share a screen on, on on your end as well. There should well, be a little show. Yeah, the two years trading at one point six one, and the ten years trading at uh, two point two zero two point zero one percent. So okay. uh, what you're seeing right now is as uh, interest rate expectations increase at the front end, the long end is going up, but it's going up at a slower rate. Right. So it's gradually flattening. And if you think about, uh, you know, right now, Goldman Sachs is predicting that the Fed is going to raise interest rates seven times in 2022, seven times. So you think that well, at the minimum takes us up to, let's say, one point five at Fed funds. So then where is the two year trading? Then let's say it's trading at, uh, I don't know, two percent. 
in, in that case, I think the likelihood would be very strong that we would have that inversion, therefore a recession in a year and a half. If we do get a recession, what does that mean for the stock market? What does that mean for the housing market? And what does that mean for the overall economy? That's that's what I'm thinking about the most. My issue with, with the yield curve inversion as a signal is it's, yes, there is a direct correlation between yield curve inversion and recessions, but it inverts more often than we get a recession. We had an inversion like a couple of years ago. And, and we had a I recession. Was, <laughs> you well, got it. We had, we had a co we had a pandemic, and then that 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 was not the yield but, curve inverting did not predict the pandemic. Which no, which but it predicted to... the environment that was right for if we did have something like that to create a recession. And and again, going back to 1950, every single time we've had an inversion, we've had a recession, with no exceptions, none. The other thing I was going to say, oh, yeah, uh, Goldman Sachs, that seven rate hike call, as I understand it, was um, there like in in that prediction, it, it was seven quarter point hikes, I think, which yeah, that, like, yeah, which, you know, uh, if they were to go a half point at a time, well, that's that's two hikes right there. Right. Or that's the equivalent. No, of no, hikes. just the Fed hiking rates is the Fed hiking rates. And now whether they're predicting a 25 basis point hike. I mean, if you got 25 basis points of hike, you know, that still takes you to 1.75%. So, uh, yeah, at at Fed funds. So Fed funds is at 1.75%, 175 basis points. You know, again, that means that the two year is most like, you know, usually like back 2019 when it inverted the last time we're going back to 2018, uh, there's about a 60 point basis, uh, 60 basis point delta between Fed funds and uh, the two years. So assuming we get that again, you know, if they're up around, let's say even 1.5%, that takes the two year to uh, 2.1, 2.2, something like that. And uh, again, that that increases the probability to a great degree if these trends continue that we're seeing in the bond market right now, that we do have that inversion. And um, I, I, you know, when people are considering the stock market, uh, when they're considering risk assets or when they're considering their cash position, you know, I think that they need to be cognizant of this. So what's your play right now? Commodities? Uh, yeah, I like commodities because I like to be paid to own stuff. So with, with what I always do for my own portfolio is something I call a 10, 80, 10 portfolio. So 10% insurance, uh, which uh, for me is just physical gold and then 80% investments, which I just define as things that pay me to own them. Uh, so cash flowing real estate or dividend paying stocks, and then 10% uh, speculative assets, which isn't a derogatory term. It just means that it's not paying me to own it, but I see really good asymmetry. Uh, so Bitcoin might be an example of that. Um, under certain conditions, I like to buy when there's more panic and less hysteria. Uh, uranium would be a good example. Uh, gold miners would be another good example. Okay. So you're still and you haven't, repositioned at all in, in i'm holding a little more cash than i normally do uh okay. it, although there's a negative carry I, I i understand that and a strong negative carry um i just think that it's worth the uh having the optionality uh because of a, a higher probability of a black swan event as fed uh, as the fed increases interest rates assuming they do uh you know moving into to march and you know what another bizarre bizarre outcome could be that the fed could be raising rates while they're doing quantitative easing 
I mean, that that's, it's just, you know, talk about a paradox. So um, I don't know how, how that would play. I don't know how they could even explain that. Uh, well, you know, they might do that, but assuming that they take uh, the tapering down to zero, do hikes and then start QT, I mean, that that's not going to be good, in my opinion, most likely for risk assets. Yeah, I'm trying to play through that scenario in my head. I, I guess that's part of the problem is there is no playbook for this, so we don't really know. I, I like the idea of Goldman Sachs like coming out and saying, kind of laying out the worst case, and you know, they, if they see seven hikes as like the worst case, right? Because that's better than them saying that's better than Goldman coming out and saying, oh, we might only get three or four, and then we end up getting seven. Um, so that way, if if the expectations already kind of baked in now, we can get that yeah. priced in. And then if we get surprised by one or two or three less interest rate hikes than maybe we were expecting, um, the, then the, I think that could be a positive catalyst for the markets overall. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, you know, then the question becomes what happens to the CPI? Because right? that's uh, you know, going back to, to your point right there when you were saying that you're trying to think it through. Uh, and, and this could be a unique situation, or we were in unprecedented territory. You know, you, hey, everyone says that since 2020. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. But w- it is unprecedented in the sense that we could get a stock market crash or some sort of uh, black swan event uh, and a deflation in asset prices in an inflationary environment. Where before, let's go back to 2020, you know, the Fed comes out and says that they're going to do QE uh, infinity. They're going to commit to up to a trillion dollars a day in repo. You know, they drop rates from, I think it was 1% right down to zero. Is that emergency meeting they had on yeah. that Sunday, right? Oh, yeah. Where they're just throwing everything at it, but the, the kitchen sink. Well, they're doing that in an environment where the CPI, headline CPI, is, I think it was under 2%. Was, yeah, right around 1.75, somewhere in the high. Yeah, range, so probably. under yeah, 2% at the time. And it, yeah. So that would be considered very low inflation. It's a whole different ballgame uh, when the CPI is at 7.5% and the mm-hmm. politicians have a fire lit under their behind right now <laughs> uh, yeah. from not only the media, but the general public that is flat out pissed because every single time they go to the grocery store, they're paying more and more and more. Yeah, they're trying uh, to do anything they can. He, I, hey, and, 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 you know, the Federal Reserve at the end of the day, you know, they are political appointees. It is it is a political job in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, they're independent, but like, are they in a, are, are they're independent in they th- in theory? They're independent, but like in practice, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I agree. So um, I would be curious, George, on a scale of one to ten, with one being yes, I believe it wholeheartedly, ten being I don't believe it at all. Where do you stand on like CPI and like how true that number is right now? What's my lowest choice? What one zero? Zero. Okay, <laughs> it's not even close <laughs> to accurate. It, it's so. It's listen. I just did a, a whiteboard video on this. How they just changed the weighting. Did you guys see that? They changed the weighting for the CPI yeah. in yeah. Uh, January. And I won't bore your listeners with the the way they uh, changed it. If you guys want to geek out on that, or your listeners do, you can watch my whiteboard video. But even prior to the change, rent. Uh, was or housing, let's say, was 32% of the overall CPI measurement, right? As far as it's weighting. And so you would think, well, my gosh, housing prices have gone up, or I'm sure for most of your viewers or listeners, their rent payments 
have gone up significantly since 2020. I'd guess 15, 20% uh, for most of them, if not more. But the Fed, it, using 32% of the weighting, is saying that housing costs have gone up by 3%. 3% over the last year. I mean, that just shows you how bogus the CPI number is. It, it's not even close. I just use headline CPI be- as a proxy uh, just yeah. because that's what's re- regurgitated so often in the financial media. Yeah. Um, all I know is, you know, the, my, my rental contract and, and the sticker prices when I when I like to have fun and mess around on Zillow and Redfin and, and looking at the sticker prices there. And uh, and from what people have told me, I know a couple of people that, are, that have built houses in the last couple of years and uh, it did not sound like a, it was a fun. Not that it's ever fun, but it sounded especially less fun doing so in the last couple of years um, because so. of prices prices going up used car prices yeah. are, are yeah. you know, sky high everything uh, that's i mean talk to any average joe and jane even if they're not uh kind of macro nerds or you know yeah. into the investment community and that's the first thing that they're talking about is prices are going up it's absolutely crazy well i mean the, the number says that seven percent is not nothing you know it's seven percent but uh all right, I, I, I'm I'm like sort of in your camp a little bit. I mean, CPI is so personal, inflation is so personal, and no one, no one is the average. But um, yeah, and it's always a fun thing to think about. We we got ourselves a CPI truther. I I respect it. I respect it. Um, anything else, Aaron, that you want to add? Um, I was gonna ask a question about repos, but I think that would probably end oh, up taking too get, getting too much into the weeds. Maybe next time, George. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a good point. I mean, talk about another thing that's on my mind. You know, what happens when the Fed raises rates or does QT? That could definitely be a problem for repo because, you know, going back to 2019, if you're on uh, Jeff Snyder's camp, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, you would say, well, the, the repo blow up was because there wasn't enough pristine collateral in the system, meaning treasuries, uh, usually T-bills, Right. Uh, and that's why rates spiked because no one had collateral, but they still had the liquidity needs where my good friend, Joseph Wang, who used to run the trading desk at the New York fed, he is under the belief that, uh, the repo spike was a result of not enough cash or not enough bank reserves in the system, not enough liquidity. Right? So if you think about what the fed is doing when they're raising interest rates, uh, what are they doing? They're, they're, they're decreasing the amount of pristine collateral. Uh, because what's ha- although the same amount of treasury bills exist, uh, the price of the treasury bills decrease. And therefore, if you have the same liquidity needs, you need more treasury bills for the same amount of collateral, right? So they're in F- effectively, they're taking collateral out of the system. And then if they do quantitative tightening, what are they doing? They're, they're taking liquidity out of the system. So, <laughs> so re- the feds, you know, regardless of whether you're on the liquidity camp or the pristine collateral camp, the fed most likely will do something to potentially disrupt that for repo uh, in 2022. So that's another thing that I think uh, prudent investors need to be cognizant of and watching. One more thing to be afraid of. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, but that's just the the reality. I think that, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for investors, but we live in a time where you can't just buy the long bond, set it and forget it like 1981. Uh, we don't have positive real interest rates. Uh, there, you know, the whole world is levered up and uh, there are risks 
And, you know, I know one of the first books that I read on investing was Market Wizards. And uh, okay. what I took away from that book is whether you're Stan Druckenmiller or uh, Ed Thorpe or Jim Rogers, uh, your foremost concern and what separates the, the, the men from the boys, so to speak, the pros from the amateurs, is their focus on risk management. And so I think 2022 is when we should all be hyper-focused on uh, risk management. All right. I just dropped a link to George's uh, stream uh, scheduled for tonight at 8 p.m. Uh, we'll be doing like a live Q&A. George, well, thank uh, you. Thank you for coming on our show today. Yeah, I appreciate the invite, guys. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one, George. Bye. All right. That made me that made me feel a lot more warm and fuzzy about, oh, my gosh, uh, about our, our, our macro environment right now. But... You could. You have two choices now. You can actively try to position yourself for this. You can raise, do a number of things. You can raise cash, although that has downsides. You can buy more I bonds, but that has limits. Uh, you can sell some stocks, or you can just take the long term approach, as I am, and uh, as contradicting as it sounds, because here I am on this show. You kind of ignore the noise. Well, this is, I guess, let me put it this way. I don't ignore the noise. I pay attention to all the noise, but in my investing portfolio, I do ignore the noise. It's, 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 a, it's a left brain, right thing, right brain thing. You gotta just... I think what will be interesting is seeing globally once everyone has had kind of the uh, Omicron spike and then after where cases have just like completely died down. Yeah. Is that enough? We don't talk about Omicron anymore. Exactly. You know why? Because cases. I mean, you want to you you want to look at the yeah. Wait, can, can we can yeah. we look at that? Because I I honestly have no idea. And there's a reason for that. Okay, can you show? Which your screen? actually, this is kind of this is I think terrible by by mainstream media is when cases are super high, it dominates the news cycle, and then when it falls off a cliff, they don't even mention it. Okay, so this is Omicron. This, this is, is new. new COVID this is cases. daily new cases. Yeah. Holy moly. A month. This was a month ago, January 16th. That we were at our, our peak, 300, uh, 330 to 7,000 new, new cases. cases in a day. And that was in the U.S. Yeah, this okay. is in the U.S. So where are we right now? Uh, we are at 34th. <sighs> we are at a tenth of that. That reminds me of, like, Nikola. Yeah, exactly. That chart a little bit. And we kind of predicted this with Omicron that it, it was it's more wow. contagious but less severe, uh, which going back in history is what happened at the end of the the 1917 Spanish flu. Um, that so we're actually lower now than we were in uh, in January of last year of 21. Correct. Well, we're about the same. Looks like. Cool. Yeah, that's. I guess that explains why I hadn't heard about it. <laughs> I literally like. Um, it's almost stunning how. Little topic of a conversation this has become. How small a topic of conversation this has become. And what I'm saying is, is with the, when this happens everywhere, which I know there are some countries that are right now dealing with their um, respective Omicron wave. I think Vietnam right now, uh, Omicron yeah. is there. Um, but it, it's it's once I think people are underestimating that like this could be what. I mean, a lot of states, California, all these even even blue states are getting rid of their mask mandates. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I suspect that we will get that here in in Michigan, here in Detroit, in the next coming weeks. Um, I think that's enough to give us like a a, a cat a jump start that well, we need right now. It's funny you mentioned this because I I literally asked out loud yesterday. I was like, I wonder when 
things will return back to like quote unquote normal. Like I wonder when people will just stop wearing masks. I know some people stopped never wore masks. Some people stopped wearing masks a long time ago. I, I don't I don't really wear a mask anymore unless it's specifically um, called upon. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm curious about like our office building. Like I like, bet in the next like two weeks they make a announcement. Well, wait, there was a thing today. What was that sign? Did you see that sign? That's that's what, that's not new. What that's the heck just was been that? be, that's just, they just put that out there today because all the other FOC companies are like back in office today. Oh, I, I did not know that. Yeah, I talked I talked to Sharon about it. Oh, speaking of Sharon, she's coming on the show this week. Yeah, yeah, no, but like I was asking, like I wonder when, like even like the most cautious among us, I wonder when they're gonna like stop wearing masks. Maybe never. Maybe never. Because it is part of the culture in Asia. You know, they wear masks when they're, when they're sick. You see it all the time in airports. I right? mean, I wouldn't, like, for, for, like, during cold and flu season, if, like, people here started wearing yeah. sur- surgical masks on, like, subways and stuff, like... I don't know. I, I, I don't think people ever will, but I'm saying, like, why not? Like, why not? Like, it, like I, it's the same thing. Like, I don't want to get the flu. Yeah, no, Ky- Kyler, I... I Actually, same, probably same good thing. for the economy. I, I noticed that as well, Kyler. I didn't. I did not see. I saw people holding masks in their hand, but they weren't wearing them. Which, like, okay, maybe they're posing for a picture. They didn't want to wear a mask in the picture. I don't know. Kind of defeats the purpose. But um, I don't know. I was just wondering. You know, it's been it's been about two years now. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Something to think about. That, that that's a, that's a fun chart though. That's a that's a that's a good chart. I like that chart. Daily new cases crashing. Yeah, uh, and again, I mean, shame on the mainstream media for not literally like I would. I would be curious to know how much time out of each of the big like stations, cable news network shows today are spent discussing COVID because I, I, I'll guess very, very little, and it'll settle be Ukraine and the war. You know, all all this other. It's just like the next thing that they can fill. Before actually like finishing the the story here and saying, oh, going back to COVID, cases yep. are falling off a cliff. Yeah, I'd be curious because I don't watch it, so I would, I want to no, find out. We don't watch it either. But yeah. Um, yeah, wait, what was I about to say? I just oh shoot, I forgot what it was. Uh, no, nah, I don't remember. What was oh wait, no, what was I going to say? People are talking <laughs> about the Ukraine situation in the in the comments. Uh, I don't know enough about it to have any thoughts. I. All I'll say on Ukraine is I also don't know a lot about it, but I, I would defer everyone to read Brian Sullivan's Twitter thread over the weekend. Brian Sullivan's the host uh, of the Exchange on, on CNBC. Um, I am by no I'm I'm so far from an expert in this space, uh, but he's a guy that fo- has followed the energy markets for for a very long time. His take on it was this is very simple. It's just all about energy. It's all about natural gas. It's all about Putin exerting control over the flow of natural gas to to Western Europe. So um, check out that thread. Uh, it, it was a pretty good breakdown of, of the whole situation. Um, I also like scoff at the idea that like the entire geopolitical universe is hinges on Ukraine of all things. Right? No offense to Ukraine, but um, whatever. Um, let's move on here. It's twelve twenty-five. I saw a great chart over the, not a chart, a table over the weekend. I want to share with y'all. I'm going to put the link in the chat as well. Wow, wait. Apparently, I'm on Brian Sullivan's Twitter. Apparently, he's 18 and 2 in his last 20 gambling picks. That's hey, incredible. When you're, when you're hot, you're hot. I was 0 for 1 last night, or 0 for 2. 
Oh, I, uh, I, I started off really well. I had Odell first touchdown. I had that basically made my. Night I right had there. I had Joe Mixon first touchdown. That was not yes. That was not a good pick. I got twenty five on Odell to score the first touchdown to win two fifty, and right there was my. Wait, can, can, all right, I, I, I'll find the link to, to that thread. One second. To the Sullivan one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually am on his Twitter right now and don't see it, but I don't think I went far enough back. Yeah, it, it was from like Saturday. Oh, so. mini thread on Russia, Ukraine, and fossil fields. That's it. That's got the it. one. Just right. post in the chat. Um, I also bet. Uh, no, my squares did not hit. My Rocky Market squares. I had. Uh, I had four. I have four for the the Bengals and one for the Rams, so that that didn't hit either. Oh, I had a same game parlay with Odell to score a touchdown, which that hit. Rams yeah. to win, which that hit, and Matt Stafford to throw over two hundred ninety yards. Oh, he didn't get there. It was like two eighty three. Oh, he didn't get there. <laughs> and then I would have won like five hundred dollars oh. at that one, but oh. it's just oh. it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure Options Mike had some had some had some bets on last night. We can talk about that with him. Before we bring him on, though, I just wanted to briefly uh, shout out JC Peretz. We'll have to get him on our show sometime. All Star Charts. Yeah, All Star Charts. I saw this great table over the weekend. Um, if you're watching Friday's show, you you witnessed Aaron and I totally struggle to do a very basic screen, and. Um, this this table is more or less what we were trying to do on Friday. Let me, put, let me pull it up on the screen here. It basically was looking at like these tools are hard, and they call it their Hall of Famers, but they were looking at stocks that are near their fifty-two week highs and are showing relative strength, and looking at the performance going back to May tenth of last year. And um, I will point your attention to the sector column, right? Because that's that's the first thing that jumps out to me is you want to find themes. So uh, I just drop this in the chat if it's too if it's too small to see you can click on it in there. But um, check out like like what do you see here? You see a lot of staples. I see a lot of financials. You see a lot of financials. You see some energy. You don't see a lot of tech. You see almost no tech. Almost no tech. Right? Apple's on there. Right? But outside of Apple and yeah, uh, Apple's and, like a value and and Apple Apple. Micron and Qualcomm are the only tech companies on this screen. Again, that is it. It's screened for stocks that are with that are of, of, above a certain market cap, um, that are within what is that? Within ten and a half percent of their fifty-two week high, um, and so, i.e., showing some relative strength compared to the overall market. Um, and what jumps out to you again? Banks. Staples energy, bottom line, that that that's where that's where the safety is right now. It's not today, because energy is down today, right? But uh, commodities slash energy, banks and staples, that's it. That's where the money is. Money never leaves. It only moves. It only rotates. But that's not true. It did leave during March twenty twenty. It evaporated, but then it came back. Shout out Jerome Powell. Shout out Jerome Powell. Shout out Jay Powell. Do we have right. a, do we have a Jay Powell? Sound, do we have a Jay Powell sound effect? No, we don't. Oh uh, man, there was something else. Uh, Wait, well, what does that do? Uh, I don't like that. All right, that was weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was something else I was gonna say before we brought Mike on, but I can't remember. But I'm sure. I don't know. I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure I'll, 
I, th- I think he has. I can't tell if he if he's saying to us that he likes energy, or he is energetic right now. He has energy in his body. I guess we'll, it's Monday after all. I guess we'll just find out. Isn't today like, like the least productive day of the year? The day after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Is it? I'm, I think it's. You know what I think it is? What? I think it's the first day of March Madness. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. How are the uh, Terps doing? I, I uh, terrible. I'm supposed. <laughs> okay. I'm supposed to be in Vegas for the Final Four. Supposed. I say supposed to be because, as I found out a couple hours ago, nothing is booked apparently. But that's not my. Per- that's not my job to book this. It's not my trip. But I found out this morning that nothing is booked. We're supposed to be going there for April in, in in six weeks, and nothing is booked. So, oh well, whatever. Let's bring on options, Mike. Let's do it. Let's keep. Going. What up, man? How are we doing? AB Spencer, how are you guys? Doing fantastic. What do you so- What do you think of the? Uh, Think of the game, the commercials, the the show, all that stuff. Great game, uh, loved it. Uh, thought that uh, the officials were quiet up until the last two minutes when they decided to get really rowdy in the game. It kind of that was fun. That was fun. Wasn't dynamic it? of it. That was fun. Yeah. But fabulous game, close to the end. Uh, I was happy with the. I was happy with either the team won, but seeing the Rams win, I thought it was nice because a lot of these guys are at the end. So uh, yeah, looking forward to next year now. Yeah, I, I'm. I was also happy for Stanford. Um, so, were you saying just now that you you like energy stocks, or you have energy? Uh, nobody has energy today. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's been kind of a slow day. <laughs> um, I, I, energy stocks. You were talking about names at highs. You know, energy. Yeah. Uh, the energy sector has been raging. Uh, Chevron, uh, Exxon Mobil. Today excluded. AP. Well, I mean, you got no war over the weekend, right? So all that big flush into the oil, into the oil at the end of the day on Friday, like, oh, well, we're not patient. So let's sell it and take some profits and get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, which no war is a good thing, by the way. So please don't, don't make me believe like I'm looking for war. Just oh, oh no, I. I but, but, you're, yeah. <laughs> but in the but if you're holding these stocks, that that's what was causing them to move higher, I guess at the. At the Especially toward the end of, of last week, right? Correct. Yeah. By the way, market's high of the day as we're sitting here. Hey, buy the dip works again. That was my portfolio. Um, oh wow, the queues are just breaking out right now. Do you want to? Do you want to go ahead and pull up uh, your yeah. charts, Mike? Be happy to. Yeah, it, it does look like we got a headline. Like, a, it... uh, let's take a look. Let's go to the pro. No, nah, I don't see any headlines. I'm, I'm watching here. You're analyzing uh, a pro. Uh, uh, yeah, I also Ukraine Zelensky see... to address the nation tonight. Yeah, I saw that. No, I don't know. I, I mean, you got to look what's going on today. So we've had this two and a half day sell off in the markets. It started with it started with bullet, right? So you know we had that hot CPI number, which everybody's expecting, and, and they it was built in. They bought it right back until Bullard spoke, and on Thursday, and that dropped everything. And then we were weak until the headlines of uh, imminent war on Friday afternoon started to come out. And then this morning, we were really weak again in the overnight markets. And then you had uh, some news coming out of Russia that they were open to talks and that Putin agreed. So you have maybe a little bit of hope there, a little bit of blink, and the market started coming back off that. And, you know, we're yeah, kind I mean, of – go ahead. I was just going to say that was crazy last Friday. I, it was either last Friday or Thursday. We were live on the show when the headline dropped that uh, – I think it was a – was it PBS? It was like a PBS report or something that yeah. – 
um, they, they said like Ward that uh, Putin was like for sure moving in next week, and then within an hour, like an hour later, uh, the the next headline was Putin uh, or the decision is unclear from Putin. You know, it changed so quickly in real time. Well, we are now in what I call a headline-driven market. Between that and the Fed right now, there's massive headline risk. So what I recommend to, to everybody out there is, you know, you start trading smaller in one or two positions at a time. You don't want to have five or 10 positions open here because the wrong headline comes against you. You're going to be scrambling to get out. And we are going to be in a headline-driven market for the next week plus. So, you know, you have the emergency Fed meeting that's going on right now, which I do not expect much to come out of. In fact, I probably expect we won't even hear what, what they talked about in there. Uh, unless they talk about it in their own private chats when they come on TV, like like Bullard did this morning. <laughs> the only way we'll hear about it if they make a policy change, which is possible but unlikely. Um, so you're going to have to deal with the Fed now till March, right? We got about four more weeks till the Fed meets again and does their decision. And you're going to have to deal with Ukraine now on headlines. And what I what I think here, if you look at the spy, is you know if this if the spy was convinced that this was that uh, that Russia really wanted to talk, we'd be raging up much higher than we are today. We're we're off the lows, we're pushing up, but there's no there's no power in this market. And here's your green line, the 200-day. We're still well underneath the 200-day, so the market is still showing a lot of weakness here. It's you know it's a little bit of a bounce back because there's nothing imminent, but it's not acting particularly well. Nothing's acting particularly well. Nothing out of the energy is acting particularly well. Well, I mean, so. there's some strength. I heard you guys talking about the queues today, and the queues are definitely stronger. They're um, they're leading today. You have some strength over in the queues. And despite the 10-year yield going higher, back over 2%, you see some movement in here, and the queues are trying to push up. And it's it's really big cap tech. If you look what's going on today, you have names like Amazon with a, a monstrously strong candle. Look at the size of this. I was actually pre-market before we got the Russian headline. I was eyeing this for a short for a gap fill, right? You have this gap here from earnings that hasn't filled. And you can see it right, right here, right? Never filled. And it was trading just a couple cents above it at one point pre-market. And now look at the size of this move back up. So, you know, you have a strong move in names like Amazon, which are helping the market. Um, you had Google also having a very nice, strong day today. And these, you know, Google, by the way, had great earnings. So, you know, no surprise here. Nice little strong move there. Apple, who had strong earnings. Look at this nice little pop back up today. But the one thing I would point out here is nothing's taking back key levels today, right? These are trades. And that's really all you're looking for here. It's trades yeah. today, things that are showing relative strength in the market. And there's no indication you should be putting on a lot of uh, risk, long or short right now. I think it's too hard of a market to be very heavy in either direction here at the moment. And, of course, as as we're talking just now, that rally, that rally in the spy is being sold. <laughs> that rally for the last few minutes already? Oh, yeah. It's almost gone. <laughs> Just <laughs> Mike was like, high of the day, not high of the day, long gone now. So, but that's this market, right? The, if you noticed, every every time you try to break down on this market, yeah. they immediately bring it back up, and every time you try to break out, they immediately bring it back down, and it's it's just very choppy, very very choppy on on, on big volume. It's just a lot of indecision, uncertainty, and you got to teach yourself not to chase candles in a market like this. And on, you got to find if you're going to trade day trade right now and not swing or invest, you got to find the names that are in play each day and. If you can't find them, you got to say, if I have no conviction, I'm not going to do anything today. And, uh, you know, bottom line, it's a difficult market. It's a very tough spot here. The market's, you know, very weak. Uh, the VIX is flashing all sorts of trouble signs, right? You look at the VIX here. 
off the highs again, but still above Friday's close. You know, 32 was the high, and it's sitting down here right now at 28 and saying, I'm still not a happy camper. That's telling us there's still some fear in this market. There's concerns out there. So what else is on your radar here besides the VIX? What what like what are you watching or what are you looking at maybe besides Amazon as well? Um, you know, for me right now, uh, I traded Apple today uh, and AMD. Uh, so Apple, I made some a little bit of money on on that. Uh, AMD, I made next to nothing on because Toss was having problems, and uh, we'll just leave it at that on their fills and stuff at that when that came out. But um, that was strong on their purchase X-Link. But really what I'm watching right now, guys, is the stronger sectors. For me, gold is broken out, GLD, on this big move on Friday, and it's trying to hold up here. So I have gold on my watch list if we continue to go um, on the, the – if continue to go on the path towards war. But I like it over 174 with volume. You're going to have to make sure it holds over that, right? Today you got this little intraday reversal where it popped up and came back in. This is a little bit of a safer play. You brought up energy. I think ExxonMobil, if we continue to push back, I know it's a little weak here today, but if this um, energy spikes again, and I think for what it's worth, crude is going to 100 regardless of what happens in uh, in Ukraine because it's been on that path for a while now. This is just accelerated, pushed up too far, too fast. So you could watch some of the energy names. We get MRO, which you know I love. That's reporting this week. That had a nice move from down here to 16 to 22 see what they say after they report, but most of the earnings in this sector have been fabulous. And guys, I'm really just in tactical mode here until we get a better idea on the markets. And I know sometimes that's the hardest thing to talk to people about is like, you know, cash is yeah. king in a market like this. It really is. If you have cash, you get the ability to do anything when you when you recognize what yeah. the true move is going to be. That That's true in the sense that it gives you the, the room to be flexible and to that give yourself some options, but on the the other side is cash is very very much not king with when in, when inflation is rising as it is. So um, it, it's you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right, but in what we do here, I mean, if you want to buy stuff, you have to say, well, what do I want to own here? You know, what yeah. what really looks good? Where do I you know what do I want to own and what do I be sitting and do I want to be owning here? And um, sometimes it's just tough. We have Airbnb earnings this week. You have Roku earnings, DraftKings. How about NVIDIA? I mean, all eyes are going to be on NVIDIA on Wednesday night, right? NVIDIA and AMAT. So, you know, NVIDIA. Yeah, I mean, we- I think a- NVIDIA's uh, earnings are going to be tough because AMD's already set a pretty high bar for them. I mean, AMD reported, um, when was it? A week ago? Two weeks ago? Let's see. Two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, two weeks ago at this point, the S- it came in at an EPS of. 92 cents versus 76 estimate i mean they, they crushed it amd did so if nvidia doesn't crush it that's already kind of the expectation well i mean i would expect nvidia's earnings are going to be nothing short of spectacular because there's there's no nothing to suggest that they won't you know their their main business with the you know, graphics cards are still next to impossible to get your hands on they're selling them as soon as they can make them their data center has been growing uh, obviously they've abandoned their bid and they're going to have to take a one point was it one point one or something billion dollar hit for um yeah. for arm, the arm deal yeah. right but i mean the day that they announced that i said that deal will never happen and we've been talking about how one of the reasons i think this chart has been so weak is they just realized it wasn't going to happen and institutions have been coming out remember it was in here on this day i think they announced it institutions really liked the idea so you know that's going to be a negative for it but i expect them to be great i expect it to be spectacular but as you said amd was spectacular the guidance was great and 
it, you know, it can't really, you know, here was the earnings day. It hit 130, and now here we are all the way back down at 112, right? In this area again, you know, struggling to hold. Right now we're at 117, but struggling to hold any gains on it. And, you know, the one thing that worries me is the whole semi-sector, you know, whether it was them or Qualcomm. Qualcomm had fabulous earnings, right? Briefly pushed up, tried to make an all-time high, now all the way back here to 166, almost $28, $25 off the highs. Taiwan Semi was one of the first to reports. Oops, I love when I do that, right? All right, they had great guidance and earnings. Look at this move up to 145, and here they're all back at 120. So this market kind of is not really overly rewarding any of the semis that have had great earnings and great guidance this, this, this quarter for whatever reason. So just something to be aware of that. Even if NVIDIA kills it, be aware it may not hold. I, I'm I'm excited for the retailers, and you know I, I I like what you just said, but we haven't really had any retailers report yet, and we have Walmart on Thursday, and they're kind of they're going to set the bar for the whole for the whole industry. But I I I am I'm very curious to see because it was a strong holiday sales season, uh, so I'm very curious to see what Walmart does, um, and if that trend that you just talked about of strong earnings not really mattering in the near term i wonder if, if if that also plays out in those stocks or if it's a if, if it's a different thing entirely well let's be honest walmart's been one of the toughest trades for the last year right ever since um the whole thing with uh TikTok, all right this name has been a difficult difficult yeah, I, sometimes every so often i think about that every every so often that would have been I, weird everyone that would have been huge I, for walmart's I, company I, yeah every once in a while I, I remember oh yeah walmart almost bought tiktok that right. been, if that would have if they would have been able to pull that off that would have been the single best business move um i mean uh, facebook buying what or uh, google buying youtube yeah, i would put huge. it up there i would put it up there with that because i mean tiktok's numbers are just insane they have a billion active daily users. That's that's like a seventh Wait, of the world. They have a billion active daily. What? No, they don't. I swear to God. A billion? Yeah. Active daily users? I don't know what their active daily users are. I'll go with you guys on that one. Oh, I, I've Lord. never been on TikTok, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, spe- speaking of Walmart, did you guys see the commercial last night? They they're doing their own version of the Amazon Go stores at Sam's Club. You just you go in, you you pick up. You know, item off the shelf, and then you walk out of the store. And you, oh, I've, I okay, wait. I, I've been doing that at Sam's Club. Oh, not stealing. Ah, <laughs> so this is you have to pay though, Aaron. That's the thing. No, they introduced that like two years ago. It was oh, amazing, especially bad. during COVID. My bad. No, it is. It is cool because I I feel like a lot of people like no one else at Sam's Club would do it. So there'd be times where there would be long lines, and you just walk up, and the the person checking your cart just scans your phone after you paid for it. And you skip the whole line. I'm walking all these people. I'm like, why would you not do that? Especially if you're just going there to because all of you go there to pick up like five things. Yeah. You know, paper yeah. towels, yeah. toilet paper. Um, yeah, they check you on your way out. They just scan your phone instead. But I've been doing that for like a couple of years. Love it. All right. I'm Got safe. some VXX puts coming in here. That's a good sign. Weekly 23s, 1200. No. Also, I, I was wrong. Uh, wait. I thought I was wrong. Now Riffraff saying 1.2 billion daily active users worldwide, 50 million US. I just looked it up. I, I saw over a billion monthly. Either way, incredible numbers from TikTok squashing all other social media numbers right now. So wait, the population of the planet is is seven point seven billion people. And they have one point 
two is that you said 1.2 billion well, they're, i mean again they're very popular in china so that's a lot of population they pick up over there so they have 1.2 out of 7.7 active every on any given month well what's crazy is like what 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 percent 15 percent of the freaking of the globe is on this freaking app well what i'm curious about is like what percent of the seven and a half billion people in the world are like over 60 and then you can take those people off tick like so i'm saying like they really only take have, like, take away the ones that don't have internet which is a Another like probably yeah. billion, yeah, and you're left with like four or five billion, yeah. But the Chinese TikTok is called something else. I don't know if it's on the same thing or not. I'm not sure. Yeah, you have to you have to you have to cut off both ends of the age spectrum, right? You got to cut off everyone that's under the age of ten and over the age of like sixty. But there's no way to really invest in t- it. Bite, bite dance. Uh, Tencent owns it. You'd have to trade on China. Tencent has a stake. Oh, you can trade bite dance on the Chinese markets. I believe so. Uh, I don't know if they're public. I'm not sure. Um, um, Tencent, Tencent has a stake. What chart? What chart do we have pulled up here? Mike? This is Walmart. Sorry, we, you guys we got, si- Walmart. We, got, we got sidetracked by TikTok. Yeah, yeah we did. I, I think to Walmart's a tough trade. Um, this name has not reacted well to earnings for the last year. It hasn't done great. It continues to be one of those charts that just frustrates anybody who tries to trade it. Every time I try to trade this thing, it goes up and then it comes crashing back in. <laughs> it just doesn't hold. So. You know, you have to just get into it on one of these days when it has momentum and just stick with it for a day or two. But I don't know what it's going to take to change it here at this point. Um, you know, it, you know, it, I'd rather honestly be in Costco. Costco, even though it's not off the highs, it's holding in much better. And the trend on this one has generally been up. You know, put in a new try to break out on last week, uh, but got caught up in the action of the week. And here it is not far off the highs. I think it's a better and a healthier looking chart. And, I'll share you my sleeper with you is I, I really want to keep an eye on, on Macy's. Uh, I loved their last report. I loved everything they said, and they came way off the highs. But to me, they seem to be turning around, and this thing gets back over 28. I think it can run, and that's one I'll be watching. I think they report in two weeks. They got their electronic business, their e-commerce businesses firing on all cylinders, so much so now that they're talking about not shutting some stores because they want people to be able to come and do their returns through there. And so forth that that's making so much more money that's a big store that's a big store to keep open just for returns it is i will say i uh uh, over this is going back a couple months now over thanksgiving break was at the mall for the first time like since COVID started and the mall was popping really say macy's yeah macy's nordstrom everywhere was packed so um yeah people are getting back out there and that's good so I, i agree with you you know, every, everybody wants to talk Peloton, and let's just—I just, just got to have some fun here with this one. You know, everybody keeps saying, you know, all these buyout rumors that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I don't believe a single one of them. And I, I think the CEO came. The, well, the Financial Times had a thing where the CEO, the new CEO, said that that's probably not going to happen. Right, so. and I think you have a bunch of funds that are trapped in this thing badly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they're they're doing anything they can to pump yeah. it up to sell and get out of it, and. You know, if you look at their books, who would want to buy them down here? Uh, well, that's the thing, though, is like you can make a case for Nike or a, an Apple or an Amazon. Well, Apple a- never spends any money to buy anybody. They know they do. They just don't buy public companies. They bought and, and they buy early stage companies. And they'll spend $50 million here. Yeah, but they don't mil- spend, they're not going to spend $40 billion or whatever it is. No, they're not. That's not Apple style for sure. Right. For sure. Nike's um, looking at what Lulu did with buying the Mirror. And Mirror, they've regretted that purchase ever since then. 
Well, they wrote it down by I think by half. I think yeah, a couple ex- years ago. Uh, they only yeah. bought it a year and a half ago. I mean, they've already writing it down. That's yeah, just they top ticked that market probably. Um, yeah, and I, I just I just don't buy that. There's much interest in a company that just there's their hardware is easily to re- reproduce. And yeah, they have some yeah. subs, but you could take their subs away. Lulu's chart actually looks interesting. It's coming back down to a uh, uh, if you draw a trend line on its long term chart. You can see it, it. It's like coming back down to that trend. You like here? Uh, I was going. I was going longer out. I was looking at like a five-year chart. On oh, mind. okay. Well, you didn't say that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you do have a very sharp downtrend here on Lulu on Lululemon, and that is worth watching. Their earnings will be coming up soon. Um, but again, it, you know, to me, the names you know, like D Dog had a great report the other day, right? And that had been a former runner. And here it is. It, it's filling this gap down. Disney blew it out, right? Great report, great guidance and everything. And they filled most of this gap. They're up nicely today. It, it's just you're not getting these gap and goes that we, we would see, right? And that's what I think the change in the market is, is that all these names that we used to have great earnings and guidance, we used to get these gap and goes and they'd get momentum. The momentum's not there anymore. We're not seeing this day after day momentum into it. Instead, what you're seeing is to continue momentum to the downside on names that are bad, like PayPal, right? This thing cannot get a bounce. I mean, literally, we are just about oh, yeah. every day is down and cheaper. Here's a new load this morning again. And that's yeah. the big change that's taking place in this market. By the way, S&P 500, new high of the day. Woo, just like that. <laughs> just like that. And Asana, Asana, new high of the day, up another 12%. Oh, we get it. You like Asana. Well, so, I, you like Asan? Well, I've been, I've, I've been, I've been in it as a trade. I, I told Spencer I, I bought it in my IRA, but I, I didn't, I didn't put it in my buy and hold forever. I was like, I'll take like a quick like thirty, forty percent on this and get out. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know enough about them. The chart, you know, these were high flyers. They come down here. Maybe you get this gap up here, up at eighty three area. We got earnings coming on it. Probably another month out though. Um, you know, it's similar to me, like a firm, right? A firm. Look at this. Look at where we are now. We are at new all-time lows. We're we're now what we call price discovery. So, if you never heard of that term before, price discovery is when chart goes down to a place it's never been. Now all you have left is you know it's we have to find a low. There's no support. You look left. There's there's nothing. There's nowhere else to look at in this chart anymore. And you know, if you're watching earnings, you're watching names. Any any company that's losing money and is losing more than expected in this current market environment is probably going to get slammed, like a firm. Right? Yeah, a firm got absolutely slaughtered. Then Upstart came down with it. Um, there are a lot of these stocks that were high flyers that have gotten like beaten down that we've seen get a little bit of bounce over the, over the last um, week or so. Someone in the chat's asking about Snapchat. So they actually. I got to give them credit. You know, the CEO got dist- and I destroyed him up here when he's blamed their whole entire miss on Apple. Right? I'm sorry. You're the CEO of your company. You cannot blame one other company for your all your woes. Sure, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you can, but then your stock goes from 76 all the way down to 24 <laughs> in three months. Um, to his credit, they fixed their problem, didn't they? They corrected the problem. They've already gotten beyond it, and. You know, you have a nice chart. It really needs to get above 42 with volume. You can see the last three sessions we've topped out there right on the 50-day here, holding the earnings gap with power. This is as close to a strong chart as you have in this market like we had before. And, 
you know, if the market turns, this would be a name I would look to. I could think, you know, I can easily see the next area is 43. And then you start looking up into this 48 cluster up here. And eventually maybe it makes its way back up to 60 over the next couple of months. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be an incredible move. I mean, it's already moved from what, 25 to 40. Yeah. Um, so then to go from, from 40 to 60, it's another 33, oh, it's another 50%. Well, so, um, the, the one thing I say is I discount this move down to 25. This down move was on Facebook earnings and it was an overreaction in the name as everything got tossed in as with Facebook, right? So this was kind of like, oh, they're not Facebook. Makes sense? Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I, th- so from I wish 30 I would have gotten into calls on, on that day. <laughs> it went up, what, 50% after hours, 60% yeah. after hours? But, you know, you, you want to stick with the strong names, guys. And you don't want to be taking these cheap names. You know, you want to stay with strong names that are big, that are liquid until the market decides it wants to come back for growth. And uh, the good news is when you're in stronger names that are very liquid, like Apple, like Microsoft, they're going to give you easier outs. If you're in a name that's not liquid and you're in some of these smaller names right now that don't have good liquidity and the market sells off, you're, you're going to get fills that are a dollar under the bid or something like that. You're going to get some horrific Phil is trying to get out of these. So you got to stick with the strong names. Make sure you're using liquidity. Look on the options or on the stock. And yeah, you just kind of wait for the headlines to resolve themselves. And All right. Mike, there's a, a few a few tickers for you in the chat, aside okay. from Snapchat. Uh, 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 Caesar asked for your take on Salesforce. CRM. Love the company. Love them to death. Um, they're going to have to report and show us something now, right? And I think that's the change. The... Uh, the Snap, not the Snap, the Slack acquisition has not yet lit up like they thought it would be. So you're seeing some weakness in this name. It's trying to hold the 52-week low. If it holds there, maybe it can reverse on here. It's one of the better names out there. I still like them. I think they do a great job. Uh, but they, you know, we got to wait to see now when the name turns. And it has to close over the 21-day. Notice how the black line here, since all the way back up here in early, mid and late November, it can't can't really close above it. And that, that you need that to change. It's kind of trapped. What else? We'll do one more. We'll do Shopify. Shop reports this week. So it's all about what they come out and they say, you know, for what it's worth, there was nothing wrong with the last report, which they sold and they dropped it all the way down. It's gotten basically not quite a 50% haircut in this. Uh, for me, it's about what they report, what they guide and, you know, do they offer something better than Amazon? did? I thought Amazon report was very mixed other than their AWS was doing great. They took a one-time big uh, profit from Riven. So, you know, what is shop going to offer? Uh, you know, for what it's worth, it put in a 52 week low just two weeks ago. If it's bad, it's going to probably breach that. Let's take a look at a weekly chart. Uh, talk to me, Goose. I, I, I completely missed the Salesforce commercial last night. I saw that there was one, but I, people were talking about, it, but I didn't see it. So I don't, apparently uh, it's weird. I, I didn't see it. But so, you know, the problem here with shop is if it misses, you got a whole big, lack of any kind of volume support. There's no buyers in this area because it came through it so quick. I mean, I would say 700 area is your first stop. And if you can't hold there, you're looking down here towards 593. Just be aware of that. Now to the upside, you have, a you know, you can push its way back up here as well, but I'm just on the downside risk there. And I think there is downside risk based upon this market. All right. Options, Mike, a pleasure as always, sir. Great talking to you. Thank you. Have a great week. Good luck. And uh, talk to you soon. Right. Always appreciate it, Mike. Um, okay, I I have a question for you, Aaron. This is kind of a first off. I did bring up uh, Asana and Monday.com on this chart because I was listening to a podcast, 
as I do, and I heard a, uh, an ad for Monday because they advertise all over every podcast ever. And I was thinking, like, what is the difference? What is the difference between Monday and Asana? Probably nothing. So I just wanted to bring these charts up so you can see how closely they move together. Uh, they trade together. But the the real question I wanted to ask you, Aaron, was I brought I brought on my scanner in Benzinga Pro right now. And I sorted my top left scan by volume. So I'm looking at the, the most traded stocks today. Sundial. Wow. And Sundial, but is number one. But number three is BDSI. So I'm BDSI. All right. That's interesting. I don't know what that is. So let's go to the chart. So BDSI. Okay. Uh, oh, it's huge gap up. So there's probably news, right? So there is news on BDSI. If you go to the news tab, look, they're getting acquired. Bio Delivery Sciences BDSI is getting acquired by Collegium, ticker C O L L, for $5.60 a share in cash. Cool. $5.60. All right. So let's go to a chart. You can see a huge spike up this morning in the pre market when the deal was announced. There we go. My question is. Who is trading this today? If you have how many million shares are traded? Sixty. What's the volume? Uh, Fifty million. It says right there. Fifty million shares traded today. Um, for every for every seller, you need a buyer, right? So I can understand that you know if if all the people that are long this stock, let's go out to weekly. All the people that are long this stock, going back weeks and months and years. They're all selling today. I can understand who would sell BDSI today. But who is buying it? Who, and do you know, does anyone know, who is buying this stock today? You have to sell it to somebody. That's a good question. And, 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 I would and, say maybe funds trying to get in and lock like a quick like 1.5% gain or something from 550 to 560. But, but that, that, okay, so I thought that too. But again, we're looking at... Or, or the company that's... The uh, company that's acquiring BDSI is going out and buying the shares. I I no, I don't think so. But so, but your point about like someone trying to arbitrage for four cents—it's we're talking about four cents here. Well, now, but it, at one point it was it was at five fifty today. Okay, so cents. so you're talking about arbitraging a dime for um. A deal that will take months or quarters, several quarters. To, I to, wouldn't do it. I just I don't know who else would be buying right now. It's a, it's a good I, question. I don't know. I don't who, know. Who who I is buying this stock today? Someone that thinks that there's gonna another offer will come in. And someone's gonna buy him for six or seven dollars. Who is doing that? And you have this like I I don't know. I generally don't know. I'm asking you all because I have no idea. Like I just saw that BDSI had 50 million shares traded. I understand why you would sell it. But why would you buy it? I don't know. Maybe this is a question. You ask for, a good question. This is a question for Dennis on tomorrow's show. Dennis or Joel can hopefully answer this. Anyway, you look at your top volume. Uh, yeah, Sundial, we mentioned 76 million shares traded today. AMD, BDSI, Ford, SoFi. That's what Jay, Jay Rice is saying. Someone thinks the deal is cheap and another bidder emerges. But that would have to be a huge gamble. That's what's Yeah. Going to yeah, to make it that's the most, a huge gamble. One of the most traded stocks of the day. Anyway. Damn, I'd... Sundial down another 7% today. Sundial? All right, let's go to the chart. SNDL. Again, who is buying this stock? Sundial? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. A chart. Oh, it looks not great. 77 million shares traded today. 
Who is buying Sundial? It's sixty-one cents. I might buy some today. Sixty-one cents. Look at this. It's look, only sixty-one cents. Look at this chart. We're consolidating. We're getting that nice volume. We're forming a base, here. right? Yeah, we're forming a base. Well, look at this weekly chart. The longer the base, the higher in space. Did you just make that up? No. That's pretty good. Who came up with that? It's a common, uh, you know, chart. The, the ghost says it's all traders. My my honest assumption here is it's all just machines. Trading with machines on Sundial or on uh, no on BS- on the on the BDSI. BDSI. It's just machines trading with machines, and could be the only firm profiting off that is Citadel and Renaissance. Well, so whoever gets the order flow, so Virtue or Citadel, right? Oh man, I got stopped out of my Asana call. That sucks. Eh. All right. Well, s- since Aaron wants, uh, and we have, we're gonna have Jake Wujastic on. I'll bring him on in one second here. Uh, let me just t- oh, quickly. Next, next week's a big week. You want to know why? Uh, sure. Yeah, of course I want to know why. Don't leave me hanging. I uh, get my day trades reinstated on Robinhood. Oh man, <laughs> nine almost ninety days. I counted them out today. Oh man, that's good. That's good. Um, let's take a quick look at uh, at my trades right now. I have Callaway Golf on there. This is for a longer term swing. Um, now that's doing. I mean, it's up today, but I bought it. I'm down from where I bought it. My um, my how's my Flonk doing? Flonk has looked good since I bought it. I bought Flonk at what, like six, like I think sixty. I think I bought it at sixty. Flonk has been okay, and then I bought Vivi stock. Uh, B B C R X. Uh, B C R X. Yeah, but but this is in in, in the Yolo account. BCRX hasn't moved at all today. It's zero point. No, but I bought this like four days ago. I should probably sell this. Maybe. Anyway, let's bring on Jake Wajastic from Trend Spider. He joins us every Monday to give us charts and walk through his thought process and take questions from the chat. And we will give Jake our very special guest introduction. <laughs> Jake Wujastic, how are we doing? How was your weekend? It was good. That was a very special introduction. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you're a very special guest. Oh, um, I have to ask everyone that comes on today, do you have any takes from last night you want to share? Uh, any hot takes? I, I put some money on Bengals and loss. So, uh, but, I mean, honestly, it was, just, it was a great game. Um, wow. I would like to see maybe a little higher score. Um but other than that, I mean, I had a great time watching it. Uh, gonna miss football for the next six months. So I know, I know. Yeah, that's always that's always depressing after the uh, Super Bowl. That's kind of my Sunday go-to, just watch football. <laughs> so um, I guess now we'll but watch Bitcoin all Sunday. There is no off season for the stock market. That's no, the beauty of it. It's why we love the game. So. I've got your charts up on the screen. This is the spy. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what you're seeing here. A lot of chop, um, and I hate that word. Honestly, I can't stand uh, it. Oh, the market. You're, you're the third person today to say that. Yeah, I, I, I cannot stand that word. But uh, that's actually in reality what's happening. Um, incredibly ugly chart, to be honest. I mean, if you uh, if you kind of just look at basic trend zones, we we did break down last week, uh, so. You know, right now, I think the market's just trying to figure out what it wants to do. Uh, one of the 
bigger signals for me, at least uh, on Friday. And I didn't really get on Twitter much uh, on over the weekend, but on Friday, you know, everybody uh, and their mom was Nostradamus about Monday being just a horrible, uh, you know, horrible day in the market. And, you know, we're, we're green. So um, I, I use social sentiment all the time to gauge, you know, the overall kind of direction of the markets. And whenever you see on Twitter, everybody saying the market's going to go down or, you know, Oh, I'm the opposite. I'm in, I'm heavy in puts. It's like, okay, well, good for you. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, so, so yeah, right now you don't have, I mean, assuming we close something like this or, you know, maybe a little higher, it's a decent candle going into Tuesday. Maybe, um, you know, maybe a continuation up to this trend zone above, which would be around 455 or so. I just think, uh, you know, it was very weird timing on Friday with the whole Russia Ukraine thing. And, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it just seemed like a great way to make a lot of people panic on a Friday after uh, Friday noon afternoon timeframe. So, so, you know, I, I mean, right. You want to look at trend, the short term trend, very short term since the bottom here in January, we are still hitting higher lows. Um, so you do have these higher lows. Uh, first lows put in January 24th. Second one was put in, the 28th before we uh, continued higher. And then technically we do have a higher low here uh, today on, on the 14th. Uh, so, so that is something to keep in mind uh, on the daily side of things on the weekly side of things. This is kind of when, you know, you may want to zoom out and look at a potential. And I, I think this is something that too many people are looking at too. You've kind of got this lopsided uh, head and shoulders potentially forming here. Um, I, I think, I think the market's going to go higher. I think about every bad piece of news has been priced in. You've got Bullard over here trying to be relevant last week, trying to say that, you know, we should raise, you know, hundred bips. Um, I, I just think they're doing that to try to get the market to price all of that in uh, and, and almost kind of like see, okay, you know, what, how's the market going to react? And they, they do that often. So, not really shocked to see somebody come out in, in the Fed and, and say some crazy stuff like last week. Uh, so you just had that and then you had Russia. So a lot of people, I think, are watching this potential weekly head and shoulders forming. Um, it's definitely kind of lopsided. I'm in the camp that, uh, you know, I'm in the camp that the market has priced in a lot of bad news. Does that mean that we're going to go higher? Uh, maybe. But, uh, you know, I'm just kind of playing these individual names because you do have some individual names doing their own thing, even though the market is kind of making the market for almost all these individual names. I mean, on Friday, you literally just saw a waterfall on almost every individual name. Something I have found interesting is oil starting to pull back today, and that has been leading. So maybe we're going to get a little bit of rotation into some of these beaten down names. Uh, We'll just have to see. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the main thing as we always talk about, that's what I always look at on the weekly candle. If we did happen to break down from here, uh, it's only Monday. We have plenty of time left in the week. Uh, my target below, if we broke down, uh, would be around 335 to 340 below. And that's simply just, okay. uh, your trend zone here, uh, with uh, some confluence of the VWAP from the uh, 2020 low in uh, July. Uh, so this is kind of where I started the trend zone here. You can see there's quite a few touches. So one, two, three, four, five. 
Uh, and it, you know, it wouldn't be probably your most traditional trend line, but as long as the trend zone or trend line that I draw has multiple touches, then it's a relevant trend zone to me, especially when you have the VWAP uh, from that starting point also right in line with that area. So if we did break down 335, 340. Now, if we, uh, if we move to the upside, uh, which, uh, you know, I think a lot of people aren't expecting, which is why it could happen. Uh, then, you know, a simple retest of these highs around 368 to 370 above. Um, and, and then we kind of go from there. You should always look at the market if then, you know, if we break down, then this is right. the level. If we don't, you know, no one, no one knows what's going to happen. You, that's how people look at the market. They do. If we break down, then this is my target. If we don't, then that's my target. Uh, and, and that's the best way to follow some type of plan. Now, one thing that I do like is IWM. IWM is held... Uh, very well, considering the last few days of price action uh, in the broader markets, the SPY, the Qs. Uh, if you use the volume by price tool, something I use on almost all of my charts uh, from this swing high here, you do have quite a bit of volume supporting price for now. Uh, these volume nodes on the right-hand side just represent how much volume has occurred since this uh, high on January 4th at different price levels. So each one of these gray areas represents a price range. The further out left that the volume bar goes, the more volume that's holding at that price range or that has transacted at that price range. Uh, so for now, you've got this, what I like to call volume shelf, just uh, supporting price. And um, you know, we still have a few hours. And uh, if it's anything like last week, uh, we could be green and then down 2% at the end of the day. We just have to see, but we can hold Friday's low around 199.65 or so, 199.70. Then I think uh, you've got a chance uh, for possibly some some moves higher, and you've got this kind of flag forming here, uh, not perfect, but you do have a little consolidation. So if we break out of that, you know, I think we could have a pretty solid week. Uh, Bitcoin is another one that I use for risk on, risk off uh, that I talk about quite a bit. We do have a potential flag forming here as well on Bitcoin. Uh, so if Bitcoin's looking decent and IWM are looking decent, it's just hard for me to be too bearish on the markets. Those are a great yeah. gauge to see what's going on as far as, you know, how how risk-seeking or risk-averse are people in the market, the liquidity in the market, that type of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'm watching. But I actually do have some individual names, uh, if, if you guys want to see, uh, that I think may be interesting if we do get some strength in the market. Um, the first one is Arc. Uh, this one, uh, this one's got some, definitely got some different uh, opinions based on whoever's uh, looking at this oh, chart. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got a few different things here. The main thing that I'm looking at is one, you've got Roku earnings on. I uh, actually don't know the exact date, Wednesday or Thursday. I'm pretty sure. Um, and this thing moves really almost in line with Roku almost perfectly. So if Roku gets a big move, like a snap type of move or something like that, I think ARC could have a pretty big uh, move up as well. Same thing here, you kind of got this volume shelf forming here. Prices barely above the point of control. The point of control is just simply your, your biggest volume node here. Um, and, and for now, not a ton going on. Uh, and I don't think it's late enough to really be pulling out the raindrop charts here. But if you do, I was gonna, I was literally about to ask you if you could show us the raindrops. And for people who don't know what that is, to explain what the, what that is. Yeah, it's a it's a volume weighted candle. 
So if you're looking at a daily candle and you want to know where the volume came in at different price levels of that day's range or week's range, you generally are going to have to go down to a two minute or a five minute or even a one minute if you're crazy candle to count all of where that volume occurred. Uh, where the, the raindrop is actually showing the volume profile of the range of that candle and showing you where that volume occurred. Um, so, so for me, it's interesting to see that at least so far today, this can definitely change very quickly. We've got a decent amount of volume up here. And if you look at the candle, uh, you'll see that most of that volume is actually in a wick. So you, you've got quite a bit of volume here showing up in the wick, which is something I like to um, see for strength. You know, that could just be very aggressive buying coming in and, and absorbing any of that selling pressure. And you mentioned this before I got on. For every buyer, there's a seller. So you can't look at this volume on these raindrops and say, well, that's selling, uh, that's selling volume or that's buying volume. It's showing conviction by buyers. The buyer has to have enough conviction to absorb the supply that's being uh, dumped on the market. If there's not conviction there, you're not going to have volume profile within that wick or within whatever part of the candle you're looking at. So uh, the raindrop is ideal for anytime you have wicks like this. Um, and then anytime you're really breaking out of resistance. So we're not breaking out of any type of resistance here. Um, but notice here, you know, you don't have a ton of volume, especially uh, on Friday's candle up here. So there wasn't a ton of conviction by buyers. And even here, you had more volume concentrated at the lower part of the candle. Whereas today, you can see there's not a ton of volume concentrated at the lower part of the candle. Most of it's kind of near the top. Um, so, so something to consider. But this thing has just been beaten down so much. Um, it would be hard to, I think it'd be hard to go lower. But at the same time, you always want to have the perspective of whoever's maybe going against the trade you're in. And that would simply be just this bear flag. You've got a decent bear flag here um, and, you know, kind of textbook. So we'll have to see which one plays out. But no matter if you're long or short anything, you should always be able to see the other side of the trade. Because if you're not, you're not being honest with yourself. You're letting bias. You're allowing bias to get into uh, your analysis. So anytime you're looking at something, always be able to look at the bear case and the bull case, and it will keep you level-headed and it will keep the emotions out. So you know, okay, if we break down below X price, then this thing's probably going to take a bigger move to the downside. Um, so, so bear case would definitely be this, this uh, bear flag. Uh, bull case would be price uh, respects this volume shelf, and you get a nice bounce off uh, here for the, for the volume essentially being a base for the price to bounce. Um, so, so that's, that's arc. Uh, another one I do like is CRM. I think CRM kind of switched a little bit uh, so far today since the last time I looked at it, but same thing, right? You've got, you've got CRM down, but you've got this raindrop here with a lot of volume at the top of the range. So if you turn on the regular candle, let's get rid of this volume profile. because It's not relevant right now. Uh, notice within this wick, You've got, uh, you've got quite a bit of volume within this wick. So I'm just going to use the arrow to point here. So you see this wick, and then I'm going to switch it to the raindrop, and you'll see where that volume is within that wick. Uh, most of it is in that wick. So the way I look at it is like a, the market is a sponge. If, if there's enough buying conviction, that, that uh, buying conviction acts as like a dry sponge. So you pour water on a dry sponge, what does it do? It absorbs that water. 
Um, if there's if there's already a ton of water in the sponge, that water's just going to drip out of the bottom. And same thing with the market. If that conviction by buyers, i.e. the dry sponge is there, you're going to have those buyers absorb that supply on the market at that price. If those buyers aren't willing to absorb that supply, those shares on the market, the price is going to have to drop in order to find buyers for those shares. So, so being able to really see the conviction of buyers and where that buying is occurring and, and, and absorbing that supply, because like we said, there's always a seller for a buyer. It just helps you see that a little better. On top of that, if CRM did close red and we have this type of candle, that's the type of divergence that I look for. You've got a red candle, but a green raindrop. That means that the volume weighted average price during the second half of the day, in this case, since we're on a daily candle, is higher than the first showing that buyers were in control um, into the second half of the day. On top of that, you do have divergence that's been playing out for over a month now. Uh, so I'm using the Williams percent range. We've, we've used this quite a few times on the show. Uh, I'm using the Williams percent range 10 because I want to look back two weeks. Uh, there's five trading days in a week. So, you know, uh, two times five is 10. That's where I get this input for the, um, for the uh, raindrop. Now, what's interesting is, this Williams percent range is essentially a volume weighted Williams percent range. Uh, and it doesn't really change anything. You can see here that we still have divergence here. So I drew this divergence when we uh, were on the regular candle. But you can see you've got these higher lows here, even on the even on the uh, raindrop. Now, if you switch the candle, the Williams percent range becomes a function of open and close. And you'll see it definitely changes a little bit here. So uh you've got this low here put in on january 5th that's where i start this this line the next low here is on january 21st it's actually higher so here january 5th was negative 98.92 here it was negative 98.19 and sometimes these divergences can be mathematical meaning you can't really see them unless you actually compare the numbers so it's not a big divergence and then you do have a continued divergence here. So this is what you call double positive divergence. You've got two instances where you have lower lows uh, starting on the 5th to the 26th. And then your next low here is on the 11th, which is lower, uh, lower close than the 26th. And yet the Williams percent range is hitting higher lows on each time you hit a new low. So definitely something to keep in mind. Um, that is one that I really like. It's a very liquid stock. It's a huge stock. You know, it's, it's definitely a blue chip. It's already been beaten down like crazy. And so I think if the market can get some stability, this one will, will do very well. If you want to look at the personality of this stock, look at some of these candles. I mean, look on January 24th. You had a low of 208 or 207.50 and a high of 223. So when this thing moves, it can move, especially if you're trading options. That big of an impulse candle can absolutely rip the options contracts. So that's what I'm looking at. Disney is also one of my favorites right now. I have a position in this one for April. Uh, so I have the April 165 calls. I think, uh, you know, this, this gap up here is a nice uh, start to uh, maybe a bigger trend forming. You've got these higher lows coming in. You've got maybe a little bit of a flag forming here. Uh, you can see it a little better if you go to a lower time frame. But I do think uh, Disney is uh, positioned for a big move to the upside if the markets can get some stability. You've got a gap above, and uh, this thing's also just been beaten down like crazy since it's high back in uh, March of 2021. So those are some that I really like, and um, I, I, I thought it was interesting you guys mentioned cannabis. Uh, I've been kind of keeping my eye on that. 
I initially uh, thought weed stocks were definitely going to bottom back in uh, late October, uh, early November when we had this pretty big move on CGC. But what I wanted to point out on this, and this is this is actually fascinating, I have to admit. 12 months in a row, we have had red. I don't think I've ever seen a, a stock that has oh literally had red months in a row. Now It's painful. It's so brutal. That's it. February 14th. We still have half of a month left to go. So this can, you know, this can be a very different candle at the end of the month. But uh, for now, it is green. Uh, as I mentioned, you still have a half of a month. So that's that's not really putting too much emphasis on this current monthly candle. There's still time. There's still time. Yeah, there's still time. But I mean, literally, this would be the 13th red month in a row. That is insane. And from the highs, this thing is literally down uh, 88% from the very high in February 21. Uh, to the low in January of 22. So, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on these, but I'm not in any rush to get in. I would want to see some type of monthly candle that looks decent here to even try to play these. Cause I got burned um, in November playing them initially, but I stopped out. Uh, you know, I, I respected my stops. I stopped out, I think uh, on CGC at like, 11 something so thank god i did uh but these can these can be head fakes you know what looks really good on weed stocks can literally you know be down 10 percent. i mean cgc's down almost seven percent today so yeah, maybe I, one to keep an eye on but not i wouldn't you know jump the gun on this one yet i or was wondering i was wondering if there was going to be just a broad-based rally for all the all the crap uh once the calendar turned uh and there really wasn't um, but if there had been, then I would have expected a weed to go with it. Um, Jake, uh, before we get to some questions from the chat, by the way, guys, if you have any tickers you want Jake to look at, drop them in there. I would love your thoughts on XLE because that has been the best performing sector of the market going back the last three months. Um, and I would love your take on whether, you know, not, not whether it'll go higher or lower because it's not really what you do, but um how, how do you approach this from someone that looks at this chart and says oh i miss i miss the move what do i do yeah it's tough i mean this is this is i mean if if you look at the trend right you've got higher lows since since uh, the covid bottom um and and we're getting to a point where i think you're getting a little overextended um, I think a lot of people are still bullish on oil just because maybe demand coming back um, and the, the Russia crisis and all that. So there is definitely some macro factors in here that, that come into play. Uh, strictly from a supply and demand side of things, if you're looking at uh, the volume shelf from this uh, low on December 20th, there is quite a bit of volume supporting price here. Now, the only thing is you don't have a lot of volume supporting price below. So this sets up price for potentially a pretty big move to the downside if uh, if we break into this area. This is kind of like a void in volume. There's just not a lot of volume down there. So you don't have a lot of people um, getting back to break even. So, for example, whenever you have price up here and you have a volume shelf down here, these shares essentially got in around 65 so right now they're holding at a decent profit here when we're at 68. 
uh, nothing huge, but if you've got a lot of money in this, a 6%, uh, you know, 6% gain is decent. Um, and, and that may be the reason why I forgot what stock you guys were looking at before. Maybe somebody's trying to arbitrage $10 million on four cents. You know, that's a decent day's uh, work. Um, so, so here you, Maybe. you, you have volume supporting price, but if we break down, if then you always have to look at if then, if we break down, I'm going to call it, you know, 6750, give or take a few cents then I think we're going to drop pretty quick through this area. I think a lot of people on the, uh, the oil bull side of things are hoping something happens with Russia because that they think that will push prices up even more. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the camp that if you go and Google, uh, Russia troops on Google and look at the last 10 years, you know, there's a pretty repeating headline almost every year. And I forgot who posted that. I think it was Edgar Allan Doe, I think is his uh, uh he's, a, he's a great follow. He's a great follow. Yeah, he posted that. And I was like, holy crap, that's incredibly interesting. Um, so shout out to him for bringing that to my attention. But literally every year they had the, almost the same headline, 100,000 troops at the Ukraine border. So um, it almost seems like the U.S. government is trying to accelerate this whole thing Uh and it just is very odd. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But long story short, if we break below 67.50, I think we could probably retest 65 um, pretty easily. And this thing, you know, this thing is uh, one that could easily be rotated out into back into tech, um, back into some of these growth names. You've got Puru uh, mentioning that he thinks over the next five to six weeks, the growth is probably going to bottom out. Um, and I think that's just a function of the market pricing in so many of these hikes already. The market's a discounting mechanism. It's already it's already discounting any of these events that have been talked about. So, you, you know, oh, well, the market's going to tank when the Fed raises rates. Well, the market discounted that in when they started talking about that in November. Um, so that's just something to consider. Uh, but yeah, XLE. I don't really like to trade oil just like I don't like to trade metals because you have a lot of overnight macro things happening. And generally, you know, that can really throw things off. I don't pay attention to the macro side in the news that around the world. So sometimes, you know, you wake up, and you're like, holy crap, why is oil down 3%? You got to go searching for why it's down where, you know, if you're trading individual names in the U.S. markets, you just look at SPY and generally it's a pretty good uh, correlation. You know, the, the, you just look at the beta. Uh, the beta is essentially how does this move relative to the spy? Does it move more? Does it move less? Whereas oil can be, you know, something on its own where it can be influenced by a lot of macro things. Same with GLD. Uh, I think GLD is probably one of the best charts out there right now on the monthly chart. But it's the same thing. You wake up and you're wondering why GLD's gap down 3% or, you know, 1% is a big move in GLD. Uh then you have to go searching for why it's down. So uh, I do like GLD chart. That is one I really like as well. But uh, you just have to look at things on more of a, a longer term view or you're just going to get chopped up. Uh, you do you do have right. a lot of gap ups, gap ups. Let, let's, do a, let's do some quick tickers from the chat before we go. And I put it, I put the promo code for TrendSpotter up on the screen here. Can you look at Pubmatic, P-U-B-M? Pubum. I remember this one. Oh, wait. Do I remember this one? Uh, yeah, kind of a choppy chart as well. Um, yeah, so from a daily perspective, I guess this thing's had quite the uh, move over the last couple of weeks. Is this is this connected to oil or no? I don't even know no. what this company does. 
Uh, it's no, interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's programmatic advertising. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you got a you got a pretty strong move from twenty all the way up to thirty. I mean, you've got a fifty percent move on this thing over the last uh, what was that two weeks or so, two and a half. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, generally I would just anchor a VWAP from this, uh, swing high here back in uh, late November and we almost tested it. Uh, got, got pretty close, not what I'd call the strongest daily candle here. Uh, but maybe, maybe zoom out on the weekly and we'll see something different. And, and you don't really have much difference. This thing is just a really choppy stock. I guess it IPO would back in uh, December of 2020. And it's really just up, down, up, down. There's not really a defined trend. It, it kind of looks like, you know, somebody's heart rate. Uh, so so as far as uh, like a longer term view on this, it's even hard to go to the monthly candle when you've only IPO'd since, since uh, December of 2020. Decent monthly candle, but again, it's only February 14th. There's still half of a month left, uh, but there's no defined trend at all. Um, so it's, it's really hard to say where this goes, but if you do zoom in on the daily, not what I'd call my favorite uh, daily candle here so far. Just out of curiosity, let's throw on the uh, the raindrop here. Yeah, a little bit of volume at the top, but still not. You want to see a bulge here. You don't want to necessarily see kind of an even even amount of volume across the whole candle. You really want to see it concentrated at the top 50%. You just don't really have that. So not not one I'd be incredibly interested in, but you do have a pretty strong raindrop that occurred a couple days ago, which may show that uh, that volume is uh, supporting price up here, and uh, we'll see what happens. But um, 50% in two and a half weeks is a pretty solid move. Probably a decent amount of people have profits, which would suggest that if the price does start dropping, everybody will run for uh, – you know, the exit at the same time since they have profit. So let's do one more here, Jay. Let's look at meta Facebook, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, what is that? Their commercial last night was weird. Uh, <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I realized what it was, I started, I started booming the TV. My fiance said, yeah. like, why are you booming a commercial? I was like, you don't understand. Yeah. I mean, from a longer term standpoint, if you look at, uh, I, I can't stand Mark Zuckerberg, honestly. What's interesting <laughs> is if you look at, if you look at February on the seasonality here, so this top right corner here, that's a seasonality pretty much since February or since Facebook, yeah. uh, meta, whatever you want to call it, IPO'd since the IPO, February is actually your worst month of, uh, of the year. So this is right in line with what you see in February, just a brutal month so far. Um, and you've got this, this longer term trend zone actually breaking down a little bit. Now, remember that you always want to wait for the end of the month. Uh, it's, it's okay to kind of get a general idea, but that's just not a monthly candle. I'd even want to try to catch the knife on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, this could easily change, but I mean, if you look at insider selling, Mark Zuckerberg has just been constantly dumping these shares over the last year and a half. I mean, yeah, they're pre-planned, Jake. I'm going to stop you there. They're pre, it's a pre-planned thing. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, still, it's something to to consider. Uh, that's a lot of shares on the open market. Um, I think he it's did true. stop this though. He stopped. What did Dan tell me? Like in November, so he did stop. So this isn't like he's been selling now. Uh, but it was just interesting to see him selling on the way up over the last few months uh, or over the last year and a half. 
Uh, so, you know, call it pre-planned, call it whatever you want. It is very interesting to see who's selling into this strength the entire time. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But the main thing that I would focus on is the seasonality and that this is the worst month of the year, historically speaking. 30% simply means that 30% of the time February closes lower, uh, excuse me, February closes higher than January. That means 70% of the time February closes lower than January's close. And then you'll see April, May, June, July are historically the stronger times of the year. So who knows? Maybe you want to do like a buy the dip campaign into the stronger months. That's up to you. But uh, it is interesting to see that this is right in line with uh, February being the worst month of the year. All right. Jake Wajastic uh, is one of the founders of TrendSpider. I threw the link up there. I'll throw it again. I'll throw it again. TrendSpider.com. Use the code BZ25 to get 25% off Jake's charts. Jake, we are always appreciative of your time. Have a good rest of your day. Hey, thank you guys. We'll see you next week. All righty. Um, producer AB, uh, my trusty co-host, uh, Chris Capri is supposed to be joining us here in a moment. Do you know where he's at right now? Or Yeah, uh, change of plans. <gasps> Chris will not be joining us today. Oh, no. Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's good. He okay. just has a webinar, seminar, something he's preparing for later this afternoon. Oh, no. Um, okay. Actually shot myself an email this morning, but for some reason did not go to the right uh, inbox. So I marked it as important. So hopefully the next time he emails me, it'll go to the right one. Oh, he emailed you, but you didn't get it? Yeah, well, I, uh, once I searched his name, I got it, but it didn't show uh, up. I have my, like, inbox important is, and unread, unread. This is why we email groups. So, um, Luke Jacoby, where you at, man? He's presenting, uh, Chris Capri is presenting today, 5 p.m. Eastern for two hours. So, if you <gasps> want to catch Chris. Oh, do you have a link? Um, no. Yeah, let me get a link from him real quick. Do we have a link to where we can wear that webinar? This is not that? a hoodie. There's no hood. I can't hear you, by the way. I'm yeah. trying to do a full spin around to show there's no hood. I do see some people skating out here. Yeah. Yo, this morning when I got when I left for work, it was negative one degrees outside. I'm just saying. This morning when you left for work? Negative one degrees. Yeah. Not good. Not great, Bob. Not great. I think the biggest difference between like the winter in St. Louis where I'm from and up here is just like the duration of the winter. Oh yeah. Like, oh, when yeah. it's really cold here, it, it's going to be really cold uh, in St. Louis as well. But in in St. Louis, like, once March comes around, you know, you start thawing out, getting, like, 40, 50-degree days. Here, it's going to stay cold till. Uh, yeah, it stays cold. It stays, right. stays cold till April. Link is in the chat for Chris Capri's webinar if you are interested. Again, 5 p.m. Eastern, two full hours. Um, as Chris does, he'll be talking options, talking charts, so. If you're like me, you know, trying to figure out like what's going on in the markets right now, how do how do we make make money in these crazy markets? It seems like every day, you know, we're we're ripping and then we we sell those gains off or vice versa where there's a big sell off and then the next day we're ripping. Like it seems like there's no established trend right now, just kind of chopping back and forth. Um which has been fun for for short-term um volatile Ooh. trading. All right. Well, let's let me bring up my Benzinga Pro here. I was looking at my my scanner, or yeah, my um, yeah, my scanner. Uh, I'm looking at. I always this, this is how I always have it set. Right, the left side of my screen is 
uh, change from the open, gainers and losers from the open, from 9.30 onward. And the right half of my screen is uh, gainers and losers over the last five minutes. And I do have some filters on. I do filter out uh, anything that's less than $200 million, anything that has no volume. Um, but I was looking at it. I saw Dave. Look at Dave. Oh, down 30% from the open. So I went and looked at the chart. And uh, yikes. This was a... This was a, a a SPAC. Dave's a bank, right? It's like a mobile bank, right? Yeah, it's a fintech play, and they they despacked, and they just had this rip roaring rally, and I don't understand why. Here's here's my uh theory, like thesis, and it's pretty simple. Yeah. If you go public, and I've I, I've like never heard of you before the fact that you're going public, mm. I'm bearish. Unless it's like a thing behind the thing, like oh I've never heard of Snowflake because I'm not in like data collection. But if you're like a consumer facing product, like a yeah. mobile bank or like a SoFi, and I'm like, I've literally never heard of you beside the stock, that's a problem for me. Okay. And I don't know anyone right. like SoFi. I don't know anyone that uses Dave. Dave. Invest in what you know. Yeah. I didn't see any SoFi commercials last night. Unless they unless I just missed it. I may have just missed it. Oh, uh, I mean they had the stadium. That's No, I know, but I it's know. possible that I missed it. Um They so, might have thought like, oh, we're gonna get enough publicity throughout these next four hours. So, That's what we bought this stadium for. We don't need to then buy the So I'm looking at Dave here and the the reason I just brought this up is um they're they're doing an offering. Look at this. They're doing an offering. They're selling three hundred about three hundred and twenty million shares. Some of that is due to the exercise of warrants. Uh, so they're diluting the, their their stock. They're raising money. That's why you do an offering. You raise money. So I guess they, they, the money raised during the SPAC wasn't enough. they got to raise more now? All right. They're going to dilute, dilute their shareholders. That is why the stock is down 34% today. We say it all the time. Um, we are in the kind of market where if you get a massive rally, if you take it. If you're up 10, 20, 30 percent, take it. This thing went from five to 15 in what two weeks? Two weeks, five to 15, two and a half weeks. Take it. Please don't hold. That's why I brought this up. By the way, guys, um, this is Benzinga Pro. This is our real-time news platform. If you want to try it out, you can do a couple of things. First thing you can do is get it for free for two weeks by going to pro.benzinga.com. But the second thing you can do is actually get a 25% off discount. Uh, where's my um, where's my discount link? You know what? I, I may have to step away for one second. And head to my other computer to get that code because it's on it's on my desktop. It's not. Hold on. Let me make sure. Is it in here? No, it's not. Why is it not in here? All right, I'll be right back. Uh, I have a discounted code that I want to get you guys for for uh, for twenty. I think twenty percent off. So I'll, I'll be back in like thirty seconds, Aaron. In the meantime, um, let's let's take this time to just take some stocks from the chat. Anyone's got any stocks they're looking at? Any, uh, you know, cryptos, Bitcoin, whatever? Let me know. We'll go ahead and, and pull the chart up, take a look at them. Um, like I said, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of split on what I think. 
this market's doing, what's going on. With that said, I, I've been just kind of trading both sides. Um, I, you know, in a market like this, you don't want to be caught just hanging out on one side. You need to be able to play both sides because it's been so choppy. Um, okay, Ajax wants to look at gold. That's fine. We'll just look at GLD real quick. I got my link. Gold's been doing well, but I'm still not a fan. I think there's other. I think there are always more interesting investment opportunities out there than gold. With that said, gold's a great way to to be safe. If you also don't want to hold cash, basically the question is if you think gold is going to appreciate um, or at least kind of outpace inflation, then you want to use gold as a safety over cash. If you don't think it's going to outpace inflation, then you might as well not hold gold. You might as well just hold cash so you can easily deploy in new trades, um, in new investments. All right, moving on from gold, let's check in on, let's look at DraftKings. That'll be an interesting day after the Super Bowl. Um. I got my link. I'm going to put it in the in the chat so it's clickable, but it's also on screen right now. This is interesting. DraftKings trading down uh, about 3.5% the day after the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if there were people out there that expected this to, to pop right after the Super Bowl. I, I was never really expecting that. I mean, I, it'll take time for us to get the numbers out of just how many people and how much they bet. On the Super Bowl, but I think when we do get that data, if it's as record-breaking as it's supposed to be, I think that could be a catalyst for all these stocks. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw DraftKings kind of make a delayed move off the Super Bowl, not necessarily the uh, the day after. What about the rest of them? Um, Penn. Yeah, MGM, I mean, I think MGM Caesars, Caesars. I think all of them will move. I think DraftKings is the most is the purest. Um, like just exposure to their online sports book. Yeah. I think all the other companies have other parts of their company that, uh, you know, play into it, whereas DraftKings is like the pure play for online mobile gambling. Yeah. Gambling. Um, oh, ooh. earnings on DraftKings 218. So that's coming this week. So again, in the earnings that the Friday, that right? DraftKings reports on Friday or no, Thursday. Friday? Thursday. I thought DraftKings already reported. I could have sworn. No. I could have Friday. sworn they already reported. No? Um, my brokerage says Friday. All right. And my brokerage gets its data from Benzinga. Okay. Well, why do I think they do? Maybe because they're so late. I don't know. Um, anyway, there's that link, guys. Check it out. You can get 25% off your Benzinga Pro subscription just by clicking that link that I put in the chat and scrolling across the screen. Uh, this is the tool that Aaron and I use far more than any other tool out there, uh, aside from maybe like our actual brokerage app. But no, I no, I use it way more. I use oh, it way more. Wait, yeah, speaking of this, um, speaking of DraftKings and the Super Bowl, Okay. think about how much money was bet on the Super Bowl, like record-breaking numbers. Yeah, sure. The the most popular bets were on Bengals money line and Rams minus four. Neither of those and, bets and, there, and the Rams won by three. Yeah, so the Vegas hit the sweet spot of of where most of the people betting on the Rams took the spread minus four. Most people betting on the Bengals took the money line like plus one sixty. So they're gonna clean up after after the Super Bowl. I mean, no, I I don't know a lot about like, um you know, the business of sports betting, but like 
Normally, sports book is like they plan for that. Like, they, I mean, that's ideal for them. That, no, that no, is but the they're ideal. but they're positioned to give massive payouts regardless, right? I well, mean, what they do with the lines is they tr- they don't even try to make it to what they think is necessarily going to happen. They make it to what will end up in the most like evenly split. Okay. Yeah, so they don't want to put a line out there where like ninety percent of people are taking the one the favorite because then, then the line will move that way got more it. to, to incentivize people to go the other way. Got it. Um, wait. So you have DraftKings up. So I, I just want to bring it up in mine because I, I like my charts a little better. Um, DKNG. Uh, all right. So I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get a headline or two tomorrow. Probably today or tomorrow, you know, you can always expect the ratings headlines, and now you, you can expect to see the sports betting handle headlines as well. Um, but, again, these stocks are in massive downtrends. They are growth names. Has growth bottomed? I I can't be the one to say that. Neither can you. No one can be the one to say that. If you're going to call a bottom, you're either, you're either wrong or you're lucky is basically what it comes down to. That's my take. But, um DraftKings has, in the last, what, three weeks, stopped going down. So that's something. You have three up weeks in a row, which you haven't had in DraftKings since this thing topped out in September. So that's something. You know what? I'm, have you seen this news about Tesla's uh, like lawsuit in California? No. I guess there's a lawsuit in California uh, against Tesla for like for racial discrimination or something. Oh, the 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 work ba- the workplace thing. Yeah. Okay, I have seen that. And it's not really a new story. Like that's kind of been going around for a while. But um, apparently, if this does go to court and they don't settle out, it could it could put Tesla on on the bill for um, a lot of money. And the stock price hasn't Maybe. really like changed at all. I, for better or worse, my, the way I look at at news now, and I'm like, an, you you and I are both like news people, but my opinion of news is colored in whether it will move a stock or not, and that's like a messed up way to think, but that's like that's what happens when you work here for seven years, right? So like, that kind of a headline is almost certainly not going to move Tesla stock at all. Wall Street does not care about one-off expenses, just like they don't really care about one-off um, uh, one-off payments or uh, one-off income generators, right? Uh, they don't care about these one-off things. That's why they don't care about car um, recalls because they're, they're one-offs, even though they seem to happen a lot. They don't care about lawsuits because they're one-offs right um the market likes to be forward thinking when it's convenient uh such as when a company is in the midst of a lawsuit oh this lawsuit is uh it's not going to affect the company well it's a short-term thing so we're we're forward thinking we're forward thinking so speaking of being uh so i i just don't my opinion of it is is i don't think it matters because i don't think it'll move the stock and that's maybe not the right that's I'm sure obviously it does matter. Uh workplace culture matters and no one should be harassed, but um it won't move the stock and therefore I'm probably not gonna pay attention to it. Is that is that so wrong to say? I don't know if it is. Maybe it is. Well know. my my point was I, I agree. Like I, I it makes sense why the stock isn't moving now, but if 
um, if the case progresses, it progresses and gets to a point where like it's dominating more of the news cycle, um, looks like it's going to cost Tesla more money, then then I think it could start to reflect in the stock price. But we'll see. I mean, it's Tesla, so it's obviously a very resilient stock. But I was going to say, speaking of being news people and, and journalists, why don't yeah. we go? We should go across the the bridge to Canada and do some live reporting from over there. Mm. Apparently, Justin Trudeau is going to uh, invoke martial law today. At four, oh, really? At 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's incredible. Somehow I doubt that. But um, it's the news I'm seeing. Dude, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> um, hey, uh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Uh, here is your Valentine's Day stock. There, are, well, there's, Here's one of them. FLWS, 100 Flowers. That stock sucks. So, Sorry. I do have to say I got into some SQQQ calls. Just now? Um, about 26 minutes ago. Wow, that's what you were doing when I, well, I was on with Jake. Yeah. I was looking. I was all, a lot of my positions are in growth in tech right now, so I wanted to hedge them, and the markets were looking a little uneasy, so I just got into yeah. some short-dated puts. Um or calls, but on the SQQ, I don't. I'm not even rooting for them. I don't want them to to make money, but right now they are. Okay, you are you are a bear. You are a, a short. Bear. You are what's wrong with society. Yeah, Christian. I don't think the meeting has ended yet. I think it's unless I, I could be wrong, but I've seen or heard nothing. Like, and here's how I know because. The market would have done something, but it, it really hasn't done it. It's gone just back and forth, back and forth. I, I know that we're down now, but we're just chopping around here. God, that's the theme of today's show, or really the theme of the last several months is Chop City, right? Yeah, and the um, title of the show is, is is Reversal or Bounce, and the question was— We've had both of those during <laughs> the course of the show. I, well, I was, I was speaking on more of an overall trend, right, is what we saw— you know, recently a bounce or is it a reversal and saying, okay, we're coming back up after the, after we've seen this, I'm not going to say bear market, but close no. to it. I mean, well, it 20% was, drawdown from, from where we were in, uh, well, that was only, that was only Russell. That wasn't in the spy. Right. Well, I was saying close to it. We we've had like a 15 to 20% drawdown in the spy in NASDAQ from its highs, um, late 20, late last year. So, I we we need more strength before it's considered a reversal before we are for sure coming back up to those previous highs, um, you know and, and yeah, so I I'm not buying the bounce right now. I'm not I'm not saying okay this is it this is for sure a reversal. To me this is just a bounce. Call it a dead cap bounce. You can call it whatever you want. But if we do con- if we see continued strength, I'm talking like two green candles on spy on weekly candles. Yeah. Um, th- then I then I feel some high conviction that okay this is a uh, this is a reversal we're coming back up to previous highs. You know who's having a really strong day? Lucid, really? LCID, Lucid Motors, up like seven percent today. I wonder how. Uh... Okay, Fisker's not doing well. Fisker was my pick. I gave it last week as out of all. Yeah, the, you did. Out of all like the pre-revenue EV companies, the the EV companies that aren't selling cars yet. Fisker was my pick. Fisker reports on um, Wednesday of this week. Again, I don't know how important it is for a company like Fisker that doesn't have anything to really report, but I think the guidance will be important. 
a uh, yeah. No, it's not important. Okay. Oh, I just remembered. Shoot. Okay, so it's today's Monday. Usually on Mondays we have Moon or Bust, right? But the Moon or Bust guys are in Denver right now for the ETH Denver conference. And I don't think they're doing a show today because they are, I don't know. It's been so long since I've been to a conference. What does one do? You like network and meet people and attend panels? Supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. So I don't think they're doing a show today because Ryan and um, Logan are both are both in Denver. So we may have our uh, we may have like an hour and a half gap here between this show and at the close. Ah, damn! If I'd remembered, I would have set like um, a, a replay or something. Shoot. Oh, wow. These SQQ calls are really popping up. Can you go back to SQQQ or QQQ? How many Qs? Either, Five? Either one. Um, either the one with the S and Oh, look at What did you... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership... We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You do? I don't know. Did you do this? I bought them like right at the right time, I guess. On accident. Andy Y says there's war news. There's always war news, I thought. Yeah, just some casual war games. I mean, everything has taken a big dip in the Wait, last... Wait, the U.S. is closing... That was 10 minutes ago, though. The U.S. is closing. It's... They're, they're relocating its its, uh, its its embassy from Kiev to Lviv. Okay. Yeah. I actually had some... Uh, Knowledge of that? Yeah, my guy, on the, my guy at the White House, uh, Brandon, called me, and I went and bought these... <laughs> <laughs> SQQ calls. I mean, look, 61%, and just in case anyone's doubting my uh, my time, 31 minutes ago. Check check the chart on 31 minutes ago. That was a, I wish I could sell these, but I can't. Next week, if you missed it earlier, my, my uh, I'm out of day trading jail next week, which means I'll be able to take bigger positions. That is what that means. Yeah. Andy's asking, why are you guys not on point with the news? Well, we, we, Dude, get, we get caught up with the news before the show starts, and then when we're on the show, um, we're, we're running through. Oh, oh, oh Andy Weish is, is rightly, I think, rightly criticizing our news desk. Andy Weish, I think that's fair criticism. Wait, what did the news desk say? Andy, so Andy, Andy Weish is saying, why, does, why do we not have that headline? That's a great question, Andy Weish. Maybe because it's unconfirmed. That's a great question. I mean, we have it now. I, I can show you. But Andy Y is totally right. So, Chaji, yeah, the problem is I, I went all cash on Robinhood, and I went uh, no margin. But there's still, there's because Robinhood has instant deposit available, it's not technically a cash account still. Um, so, I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, once, once I get out of day trading jail, I'm just going to be more diligent about not doing 
like four and five day trade or five trading days to get myself into jail. And after that, um, hopefully in, in the next couple months, I'll, I'll make some good enough trades that I'm over the, the PDT threshold. But that is TBD to be determined. Oh All right. So they're saying the Russians are moving to satellite says they're moving to attack positions, whatever the heck that means. Um, is this all just fud and noise? Probably. That's my take here. I think they're just caught. This I, is all just noise. I think they're just LARPing a, a round of Call of, Call of Duty domination. Maybe. They just want to, they got all I the equipment can't stand and stuff this. already, I, so they're like, I we might as well LARP it out. I can't stand the fact that, like, I, 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 I like moving on news, but I like it when the news is, is, um, predictable like in earnings you, you know earnings is coming right it's on the calendar it's not a surprise you don't know if it's good or bad but you know it's a, it, it's the news itself is not a surprise you know when it's coming this kind of news is just ah i i don't know how you trade this market i don't know how you do it frankly i think you buy because you're gonna get stop you can't have stops because you're gonna get stopped out um but you also can't not you can't look away without having stops because you could just get ripped in your face. I don't know how you do this, frankly. This is not. I mean, it does remind me a little bit of when we were like the trade war stuff with China. I'm trying to think back to like how that was. The market was reacting like it was so headline sensitive. Mm. I don't know. This is this is not. It's not easy. This is so not easy. Maybe we just have to ignore everything, but gosh, I don't know how you do that. I will say it doesn't look like like it looks like most things have kind of like Apple went down a full percent. Yeah, I've got I've to, got look at the spy's not bouncing. The spy's not bouncing. I can go to the queues for you if that's what you want to do. You want to look at tech. Q's bounced a little bit. Yeah, I think we'll see. I think we just all need to hold our horses. Everyone should. I'm just... not going to be worried until my draft, uh, until I get my thing that says I'm getting drafted. No, you're not. I thought you weren't of age. No, you're, I am. Are, oh, well, I'm just not. For, they 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 go through a certain. Uh, like 22-year-olds are, like, the first ones to get drafted, and they go up to 20. So I'm not, like, the first one to get drafted, but I'll be I'll be in there. The ghost says he took a shower and his face got ripped off. I, the ghost, you should talk to see someone about that. That sounds pretty serious. But, in all, I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at, right? So I don't know what you do right now. You either clo- you close your eyes is what you do, probably. You close your eyes and click buy, close your eyes and click sell, and call it a day. But, um, again, this has been Zynga Pro. It is so much more than any one feature. It is a news feed. It is chart. It is a squawk. Our squawk is, like, the best squawk in the game. I'm not even joking. Um, we have calendars. We have widgets, SEC filings, PR feeds, a signals tool that lets you know when a stock is, is halted or when it's spiking or when it's gapping or when there's an unusual options trade. Um Fundamental information, balance sheets, uh, financials. Oh, this is a 
Yeah, let me just show you, like, like you go to Apple, right? You can go to Apple, go to financials, look at the income statement, the balance sheets, the cash flow. All that information is there in Benzinga Pro. You can get it for 25% less than normal people by clicking the link in the description. Are you saying they're not normal? Yeah. The, yeah, they're special because they're going to get the discount code. The link is in the description. It's in the pin to the top of the chat. It's on the screen right now. Click, check it, click it. Oh, no, Korea Paul, he was saying if the draft were to come back. I think that, that's what Aaron was getting at. Oh, it's also okay. Yeah, I'm not actually worried about that. I think there's, uh, well, there's always a non-zero chance. Terrible says it's awesome except for the price. Get it for the last 25% off. Get it. Check it. All right. We're going to hop, and uh, I guess we're taking a break because we don't have Moon or Bust right now, apparently. Yeah, but stick around till. uh 3.30. Yeah. I mean, at the close. Me and Joel. Coming up. Yeah, again, the draft thing was a joke. I'm not actually worried about it. It's just <laughs> funny to speculate. Well, it's not. Move along. It is still a thing. Like, you have to register. Like, I'm registered for the draft. I don't know. But it's not, it's not going to happen. All I don't right. think we'll ever see one. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll catch you guys tomorrow. Hit that like button. And um, that's a wrap. If you want to know more about Benzinga Pro, check this out. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.